All right, so here we go again. We're sitting here, we're still undefeated, and even though Halloween was over last week, things just kept getting weirder. USC fired their defensive coordinator, who is named Grinch. Michigan's president literally begged the NCAA to spare Harbaugh and their team. What's their president's name? Santa. What wasn't weird was the Georgia Bulldogs continued to beat every team in their way. And every statement that I just made is 100% true, and you can fact check me on that. Other true statements include the Michigan Wolverines are cheaters. This isn't an allegation. It's accepted fact now by everyone. But does ESPN think that they should be punished? No. And I'll do a deep dive on that later in the show. Florida is in free fall. Napier is neutered. The Gators are gigged. And it feels great. Also, and this won't shock you, Ohio State is overrated. Their only quality win was beating an overrated Notre Dame. Ohio State also beat Penn State, who is also overrated and who has played no one. But that's fine. Let the anonymous CFP gangsters snub us because we love, love, love it. Why? Because Kirby just uses it as psychological fuel for his pack of rabid dogs. Psychological warfare for rabid dogs going to war. Rabid war dogs. And the rabid war dogs will kick the piss out of old piss. And then they'll just be old. So let's roll. This week we have special guests and special announcements. Special guest UGA quarterback legend David Green joins Dr. Snetzer, who is his lineman. Back again is Cassidy Pearson from any given Saturday, and I'll bet money she knows more about college football than you do. Then the three-headed mad dog monster comprised of Buffalo, Dogger, and the Stat Freak. Well, they're going to razzle, and they're going to dazzle, and they're going to leave me razzled when it's all done. And we have a special announcement. Mad Dog merch is finally here. It's ready. So check this out. Here's the hat. Here is a brand new show pullover. I had one last week. It was the test model last year. Everybody liked it, so we're rolling out a pullover this year. And then, in accordance with tradition, every year we've had a dog that we plugged for Heisman. First year, Jordan Davis. Last year was a mailman. And this year, we couldn't pick. Brock Bowers is the best player in college football, whether he's injured or not. So if you want to pick the best player, that's him. We also like Carson Beck for obvious reasons. So why not just pick both? Check this out. Bowers or Beck for Heisman. We're going to show you a little later in the show how you can get that. But for right now, you got to get it locally. You got to get it at Macon Monogramming or you got to get it for me. And if you want to get it from me, come where I work. And I work at 1412 Bass Road. And that's at a place called Colony Bank, the best bank in town. Now, if you listen all the way to the end of the show, well, we're not going to talk about that. It's time for the Mad Dog Show. Coming to you live from the Park Group Studio in the heart of the Bulldog Nation. The Mad Dog Show is proudly sponsored by... The Sanford Company. 
dogbone.net, Bulldog Illustrated, Classic City Collective, The Park Group Marketing and Media, Bib Distributing, Sellers Construction, Ventures Barbecue, Go Clean Co., Jay Lee, Attorney at Law, Pelicano Construction, Jag's Pizzeria, Make It Monogram, Ortho Georgia, Cherokee Brick, Progressive Communications, Butler Auto Group, ASP, Ward Mini Storage, Walthall Oil Company, Beach Services, Willingham Sash and Door, and Grenford Chiropractic. Now, here he is, the Mad Dog. Once again, I got to say a big thank you to John Neal because there ain't nothing like a Sanford Sky Suite in Sanford Stadium on a Saturday. You never know who you're going to see. Last week, Tim Worley was rocking it, looking like he could suit up today. And here's what was on the line. Here's what was riding on this game. 25 consecutive wins, 23 consecutive home wins, 35 consecutive regular season wins, and various other streaks that I won't even get into. And, oh, by the way, don't forget sole control of the SEC East. Sanford was rocking, but not at full tilt. Why? Well, there's been a lot of theories out there, and here's just one of mine. It was Missouri. Missouri had a lack of energy that brought the vibe down. They had no juice. They had zero style points. And their coach is a whiny, nerdy dork who is way out of his league. He is the poster child for overachieving. Here's what Missouri is like. Missouri is like you want a dessert and you are given fat-free, sugar-free, frozen yogurt, but it's been melted down into cold soup. So it's better than nothing, but it's still very, very disappointing if you want a dessert. Their uniforms are hideous, and they had the audacity to whine like babies about an obvious P.I. call, pass interference. Obvious. And if anyone had the right to complain about the horrendous officiating, it was UGA. It was us. Because 99% of the bad calls were against us. And speaking of us, the fully grown-ass men donned in red, black, and silver showed up for work, ready to punch the clock and punch your faces in work. Just blue-collar, hard-hat-wearing, metal lunchbox-toting, metal lunchboxes filled with homemade turkey sandwiches, Oreos, fruit roll-ups, and Doritos, by the way. Where was I? Um, hard hats, metal lunchboxes. Oh, yeah, steel-toed boots and safety goggle-wearing manly men. And, well, these manly men, they struggled at times with run blocking. Partially because Missouri is a good football team, by the way, and they had a bye week, which was very, very important to point out. And we didn't have Bowers nor Mims, and then JDJ got hurt. And the SEC refs hate us. Because as we all know, the only ones they love are Saban, out of fear. But Beck prevailed through the air to McConkie and Delp and Lovett and Thomas and Jack Saint and Edwards. And speaking of Dejon Edwards, where in the world would we be without him? I'll tell you where we'd be. We wouldn't be undefeated. There's no way we'd be undefeated. That man is a warrior. And I salute 
that Georgia Gladiator, that DGD. And what about Stackhouse? When that mammoth man got that pick, with every step he took, the ground beneath him shook, and the stadium started bouncing like a trampoline, just like every single dog in it. And it's hard to put into words how it feels when pandemonium like that erupts like a spastic volcano. And if that scene at Sanford Stadium didn't get your blood pounding, and nothing will. Because it was like it was all in super slow motion, much like Stackhouse himself. And... Weird noises that you've never made before in your life explode out of your mouth like you're possessed by strange spirits and you're like grunting and yelping and twitching like you've got Tourette's and you're you're just you're screaming in foreign tongues in a language that doesn't even exist and I can't imitate it so I'm not even going to try because It didn't make sense then and it won't now. And nothing jacks up the masses like a big old monster of a man running with a football in his hands. It was poetry in motion. It was artistry in action. It was glorious. And then Woodring sealed Missouri's fate with a foot that kicked that ball 48 yards DFC through the goalposts. And we could finally... Exhale at last. Millions of dogs collectively sighed simultaneously in relief. And it's worth noting that a kick like the kick Woodring made builds confidence for the future. Just say it. And I quietly observed when it was all finally over and the red and black masses spilled out of Sanford. While I was savoring the feeling of another victory, that again, it was kind of quiet. It was strangely quiet, and the vibe was noticeably subdued, and I couldn't quite figure it out. I mean, are we just spoiled now? Was this what the collective energy of an entitled fan base felt like? And then I quickly realized that that wasn't the case at all. It was simply the energy of high expectations, the highest expectations, and arguably, it was energy was, was on the, just a, the verge of exhaustion because there were several times during that game when I thought, today's the day. This is the day. This is the day when we finally lose. It's been a hell of a run. I told myself I went into self-preservation mode emotionally, spiritually, in every which way you could. Lots of self-talk about how things were going well with my family and my friends and my job. You know, I've got a good roof over my head, all that stuff. But then resiliency kicked in and massive gratitude. I mean, what a long, strange trip it's been. A wonderful trip, a magical journey, a mystical odyssey, and a quest not for the first nor the second, but the third Holy Grail. And the good news is we're in this race now without a finish line. And it's important to always remember that and never forget it. We're everybody's natty every week because we're the Georgia freaking Bulldogs. Missouri just lost their natty, just like Florida the week before. Not this week, haters. Not this week. Now, 
Let's see what Dr. Schnitzer and David Green got to say. Dr. Schnitzer, also known as Dr. Feelgood, make us feel good this week. Well, you know, I think uh, what everybody wants to know is, is uh, Bauer's going to be back this week. Um, you know, all signs are looking are looking promising. They said he's out running on the field, running, you know, full speed. I, I hear good things coming. So, you know, there, there's a chance he's back. You know, this is week four. You know, we kind of talked about the timeline on these, these high ankle sprains and, you know, getting the tightrope procedures, you know, four to six weeks. So, um, you know, I think it's really going to be how he feels. And it may be a game time decision, you know, get him out there running around that morning and see how he does and, and go from there. I uh, mean, but, if – if we think we can win without him, why would we risk it? I agree. I agree. But I, I mean, I, you know, I'm not saying we can't win without him, but certainly you, you want to have all your, uh, everybody ready to go for a big game like this. You know, you gotta, you know, you gotta, I mean, Ole Miss coming in, they played, they played a good game last week. You know, Texas A&M is a, uh, is a, is a good football team and, you know, they got through that, but you know, they're going to be coming in, you know, they've had this game circled on their calendar from as soon as that schedule came out there, you know, we want to, we want Georgia. That's who, that's, you know, that's who they want. And um, right. So they're going to be ready for us. And I think if, you know, if we can have somebody ready like Bowers that brings another presence, you know, to our offense, you know, get him out there. Now if he's hurt and he can't, he can't go full speed and certainly you hold him out. But if he feels like he can get out there and contribute, you know, if anything, could even be a kind of a decoy out there. Yeah, send him out there to run fly routes. All right, speaking of people who can bring a presence to our offense, who have also had a high ankle sprain and have also had the tightrope procedure, let's talk about Amarius Mims. Yeah, so Mims, I mean, I think we we got to be getting time to see him get back out there. I mean, what has it been, I think, what, seven weeks on his now? Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're at the end of what we normally would expect. So, you know, maybe it's just been out of, you know, abundance of precaution. We've been holding him out until now. Um, and you know, the offensive line has played well, you know, he's been out, but they've, they've still played well in his absence. Yeah. So, but I think I, I fully expect to see him back on the field any, any day now. All right. Then the next injury, which I guess thankfully is not a high ankle sprain, but it's still bad. Nonetheless is, uh, Jamon Dumas Johnson, JDJ or Pops JDJ. is known broken forearm. Kirby has said he's looking at quote, innovative ways to get back out on the field. What in the world could that mean? You know, it's hard to say, you know, these forearm injuries, you know, there's, there's forearm injuries and the forearm injuries. Some of them are, you know, a, a lot of the ones that we see, you know, end up needing surgery. Sounds like his is not one of those. So is, you know, there, there's two, two bones in the, in the forearm could be either of those or certainly is not both of them or he would have required surgery. So, you know, exactly what it is, hard to say. They've been kind of a, but kind of hush about exactly what the injury is. You know, that just something they can put in a cast. The problem is there's so much rotation in a forearm. You know, you typically you want to minimize that rotation to allow these things to heal. Um, and so then you have to go above the elbow. So can he do much with an elbow, inability to move his elbow and turn his forearm? How, you know, how much can he really give out there? You know, certainly so, he, he wants, I mean, he's a heart and soul of that defense. I mean, he's a lot, he means a lot to those guys and they want him out there. So, you know, what, yeah, it's what, almost like a, a Nolan Smith situation from last year. Let's play worst case scenario. He can't cast it. And so what are we looking? Are we looking like he's done for the regular season? Yeah, you're probably looking at, you know, another, you know, six weeks or so for, for a bone to heal there. And, you know, again, not knowing exactly where the injury is in that forearm, it's hard to give you a good answer. But, you know, typically we say around six weeks uh, for a fracture to heal. 
I watched that play very carefully, and he – it was like right in the middle. I mean, you couldn't see anything, but you just saw his reaction, and it looks like, you know, he hit like right there. Yep. Which, to me, in my layman's opinion, just looks like he's going to need a regular old cast. Like I said, you know, like there's two bones there, so if only one of them broken and it's fairly well aligned – you know, you got the other one there, kind of as an internal brace supporting it, but you you've got to cast it, and you got to you got to limit the rotation because that's the the problem. Those bones they rotate around each other when when you anytime you move your forearm. So you know, yep. if you're relying on some stability, you've got to limit that rotation. Uh, and unfortunately, that yep. that require require cast above the elbow, which would significantly limit you know his ability to uh, to, to participate and do things. Yeah. Well, I think we just got to basically look at it like he's not playing this week. Mims I would assume Mims, Mims probable. Uh, let's say JDJ out. Mims probable. Yeah. Bowers questionable. That pretty fair. I would agree. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay. So we have a special guest that we don't know if he is there or not. I don't see video. Let's. Do you know if he's there? I don't think he is. Here with me? Because it's not quite 15. Yeah. Are you there? He is not there. Wait, wait, wait. It's oh, David Green. What's up? Fellas, what is happening, man? Greeny, what's going on, buddy? Man, just thrilled to have you. Mad Dog, you would think um, I was the lineman and Snetzer was the quarterback, as, as thin as he is these days. <laughs> yeah. He is. You never him. know he was a lineman. <laughs> so it looks like uh, you're, you're just like last year, you're coming to us from a ballpark. What's going on tonight? You know what? I'm actually maybe the exact same spot. So uh, I'm picking my son up from practice here. They got, they're in the playoffs, and so they get done at 530. So I had to. Scooping them up in practice, man. There you go. Always something, man. Chasing kids around. Always. Always, always. How many do you have? How many kids do you have? So there's never a dull moment, buddy. Wow. Yeah. yeah. We're both sitting on four kids, so it's uh we're chasing yeah. them around. Y'all uh y'all coming to Athens on, I'm the, on Saturday? I'm an underachiever with three. <laughs> What's that? I said y'all coming to Athens on Saturday. You know it. Oh yeah, I'll be there. Bringing uh, actually, I'm bringing my you? two older kids. I will be there, buddy. I'm. We came last week, and that was a great football game last week. Mm-hmm. And um, thanks, gonna be another good one this weekend. Yep. Well, I tell you what, a lot of people would like to know is is your insight on uh, your your experience with Mike Bobo. Well, here's my initial thoughts. First thing that comes to my mind is he's a he's a great competitor, like an ultimate competitor. Now, like he's the type that um, you could be playing cards on a Friday night, and he might almost get in a fight, you know, because you know what's whatever's taking place. <laughs> he, the dude wants to win, and so that's the number one thing that sticks out. Um, number one, he's a great. Well, no, I guess number two, he's a great play caller. I mean, he, he had a lot of success his first tenure in Athens. Um, and now, I mean, just look at the caliber athletes he has across the board. Now, you know, he's he's licking his chops. And we've been 
beat up, you know, compared to other years offensively. Um, and I think he's done a really, really good job of you know, this year of just putting Carson back in situations where he can be successful. I mean, you look at it time and time again. I mean, Carson's been extremely efficient. Look at his completion percentage. And he's given Carson options. Hey, if, if number one's there, take it. If number one's not there, go to two and three. And Carson's getting down on his checkdowns where they're, you know, where they're, they're staying out of a lot of third and 15, third and 12s. And, you know, it's third and five, third and six, which are more manageable situations. And uh, I think, look, I think Coach Bobo's done a fan. I've always thought he was a great play caller, great OC. Uh, but this year I think he's um, he's earning his stripes. It's a tough situation to come into, you know, coming, you know, stepping in, you know, Todd Munkin's shoes where he just came off two national championships. But he's doing a great job. I couldn't agree more, and you're right. I mean, who wants – you want to follow somebody that did a bad job. You don't want to follow the guy who went 29-1 and one and won back-to-back national champions and, and did it with a walk-on. So, I mean, he's got right. a, tough, a tough gig there, right? I, I yeah, think personally, I think he's done a great job. I don't know why he's taken heat in the past, but but if you look at his numbers, you can't argue with results. You can't argue with his points per game. You can't argue with his yards per game. Uh, I believe he was, you know, had the most prolific offense ever at Georgia. Uh, his points per game, if I'm correct, with Hudson Mason. Um, so I, I'm a fan. I, I actually I had some little kid try and tell me that you know, trying to detract against Bobo, and I told him real quick. I said I'm a Bobo defender, so you better have your facts straight because we're about to go toe to toe. And by the time I got well, done with him, he was on the Bobo train. Hey, hey, listen to this, Mad Dog. Here, here, I would even say this. So, you know, people love to hate on Bobo. People also love to hate on Stephen right. Bennett. Even after he won a national championship, they're like, they're like, man, just go away so we can, you know, we can get on to some real quarterbacks. I mean, he literally won two national championships before he had the entire fan base convinced that he was the guy. And so, um, look. Where it's just, you know, look, the expectations are high. That's part of what makes Athens so fun is, you know, it's there's so much excitement and everybody wants to uh, to see the dogs do so well. It's just a lot of times we don't know when we have really good stuff in front of us. We're always, you know, kind of looking for the next thing, you know, and everybody's always curious what's, yeah, yeah, I see what this is, but what's the next thing? And that's just, I think that's human nature to a degree. You nailed it. It's like whoever's there is not good enough. Let's try the next guy. You know, they can't. There's no being satisfied, and we've, we're borderline real quick becoming a spoiled fan base. Yeah, I would agree with you on that for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's no question. We we are. You know, there's. And Kirby said it after the second the you know, national championship last year. He's like, "Look, guys, don't take this for granted. You you never know when this is going to come back." And and kudos to Kirby for what he's been doing. I mean, my son is six years old. My third son is six. I don't think he remembers Georgia ever losing, ever. Right. And so, yeah. but the way the guys still compete week in and week out, and you can see the hunger within this team. I mean, they're, they don't look the least bit complacent, in my opinion. I mean, they didn't last week against Missouri, and they fought and battled, and I, I looked over my wife and I said, look, this Missouri team's good. And I said, 
and they're hitting some of these back shoulder fades, but we are making them earn every inch of this field. Like we're not giving them anything. And so, um, yeah, the culture that Kirby's built is, is, is unbelievable. And that's the only way you can sustain the kind of success long-term is it's got to be a full culture deal. And, and he's been able to do it. It's pretty, it's pretty remarkable. It's fun to watch as a fan. Oh, it's very fun to watch. And, you know, to your point about Missouri and the, and the back shoulders, you know, they had an extra week. They had the bye week to be able to dissect tape and find that that was something that they could potentially expose. And to their credit, you know, they did. But, man, beating somebody in a bye week when you don't have one, that's a big deal, especially a good team. Yeah, and it, it reminds me, there was an old saying, Trent Dilfer, when he was an analyst, he said, there's no defense for the perfect pass. <laughs> and I would I would say there was a couple of those situations last week where, I mean, it was just the perfect throw. It was a great catch. It was well defended. But it was, honestly, it was just good execution on the offense. They were pretty good out wide. They, I didn't know a whole lot about Missouri. I hadn't watched them play a ton. I was really impressed with their receivers, and I was really impressed with their corners. I mean, Carson Beck threw some great balls. We've got frozen David Green, and I'm blown away with how good they're how how good they were on the perimeter. Yeah, I was too. Now, taking you back, were you blown away by the blocking of Ryan Snetzer back in the day? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he heard me. Oh, I'm not mad dog. I lost you for a minute. What you got, buddy? I said, were you blown away by the blocking of Ryan Snetzer back in the day? Oh, hey, your timing was spot on for the connection to go out, right? Yeah, exactly. Hey, I will tell you this, and for everybody down there in Macon, Snetzer is one of the toughest dudes you'll ever meet in your life. Now, let me tell you, like, going to football practice every day is not the most fun thing in the world, right? Because it's tough and it's hard. Snetzer would go to war every day. Like, if there was a fight out there, Snetzer was somewhere in the middle of it. Now, he's the nicest guy in the world. And the whole deal, but you get on the field, and when you, it's time to show up and strap, you can count on Snetzer. I can promise you that. I love it. That's exactly what I expected to hear. <laughs> that was poor timing on a connection failure, though. Wasn't it? <laughs> it sounded like you just went completely silent on the question. Snetzer is about to start sweating, like, man, my boy Greedy, no love. <laughs> All right. I, I read a, something very random about you that I thought was really cool, that you went to a fantasy baseball camp where – did I read this right about where they you tried to be the next knuckleball pitcher? Did I read that right? That, so that is right. That was a very random uh, situation. So in 2012 maybe, yeah, uh, I'm sitting at the office, Mad Dog, I get a call on my insurance line, and, it's, and it says the MLB network. And I'm like, what do these people want from me? The last time right. I played baseball was high school. I pick it up, and they said, hey, you know, Major League Baseball Network, we're wanting to do this reality TV show, which I'm like, oh, that sounds real fun. <laughs> They're like, um, you know, we're trying to see if we can teach former college quarterbacks how to throw a knuckleball. And we're going to fly you all down to Vero Beach. And so I said, well, who, who's doing it? First of all, like, I'm curious. And the first name they threw out was Doug Flutie. And I'm like, whoa, y'all got Flutie flakes in this deal. Like, I'm, I'm interested. Right, and they've had uh, y'all remember Josh Booty and John David Booty from LSU, and oh yeah, 
And then they had Ryan Perilou from uh, who was LSU quarterback as well. Very random cast of characters here, you know, right? And um, flew us down to Vera Beach. I was just doing it for fun more than anything. I was already married, had kids. There was no way I was going to go. Like, if I won, I was not going to minor league baseball. Like, that's – I got a family to feed. You know, I, I don't need to I don't need to be on a bus with a bunch of 20-year-olds right. making $15 a day. Yeah, it, it wouldn't work. <laughs> Uh, but I end up making it to the finals, right? And I'm out there, and it just hit me because I was just doing this for fun. And I get there on the finals, and I'm on the mound in a uniform. And Charlie Huff, if y'all remember the knuckleball pitcher, he was like my personal yeah. coach. And he's he's in a dugout going, come on, Granny, let's get this guy out. And I'm pitching to like a, you know, a college, I don't know, some kind of college team. And it hits me, and I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I'm under the lights, Vera Beach, pitching. I'm selling insurance for a living. I'm married with kids. And I'm out here pitching. I got Charlie Hoff as my coach. And I'm trying to strike out some, you know, college team to, um, you know, to win this challenge. Anyway, made it to the finals and luckily uh, did not make it all the way and win the whole thing. Um, it would have been a mess. But uh, Josh Booty won it and actually went and um, went and did uh, the Diamondbacks training camp. So... So you had to be throwing some decent knucklers at that point to get that far, right? Well, I could say this. I could make the ball not spin, but to say it was a great knuckleball, it would be a stretch. <laughs> it wasn't I doing too much be, dancing? Uh, No, it just wasn't spinning. I mean, right. I wanted to wear a mouthpiece at the mound, so that would probably let you know how it was, how it was not moving. Yeah. <laughs> a mouthpiece on the mouth. <laughs> That's right. Um, all right. Another thing I read was that Carson Beck, first eight games, has thrown for 250 yards a game. Only quarterback in SEC history to do that. Only one guy had done seven, and that was Kellen Mond, and nobody else had done it for more than three. He's a former pitcher. One thing that it seems like he struggled with is the long ball. And I've just kind of thought, well, as a pitcher, he's never, ever trying to throw a ball and put air under it because, you know, he's great at throwing darts. Do you think that that could possibly be a reason why, or is it that just hard in general? Because it seems like he needs to put more air under it for some of these balls that he's ever thrown. Yeah, it could. It, I, I don't think it has anything to do with being a pitcher. Um, I think sometimes it has to do with timing. Um, you know, if the guy's pressed man, you can throw it early because you can pick up the angle in a way you need to throw it a little bit easier. When it's like cover three and the, the corner's 10, 12 yards off, you really can't throw it quick because you don't really know if he's going to fully going to be able to get on top of the, the DB, right? So mm -hmm. I think sometimes he's maybe thrown it a little too quick when he's need a little more time for the guy to get by him. And some of it could just be too, you know, it's just maybe not having all the healthy receiving core and just not having built up a great rapport with them yet. Um, so I, I don't know. I I think he'll be fine. We're, it's like anything. We probably overanalyze it a little bit. Um, right. But his, his arm is freakishly gifted. And, you know, from 20 yards and in, Medi, he can – he can put it on a rope and he can throw it wherever he wants. I mean, his accuracy, and if he has time to throw, I mean, he's he's about as good as it gets right now.
And his O-line has really done a great job of giving him time to throw. I mean, this last game was the first time I can think of where there was, you know, at least sporadic pressure. I think they had two sacks. But, man, you give that guy time, and he's lethal. He can definitely slice you up. I mean, um, man coverage, zone coverage. And he's throwing the ball where guys can catch it and get yards after the catch. It's not where they're catching, you know, falling over. Mm-hmm. He's hitting guys in mid stride where they're catching and getting, you know, yaked afterwards, right? And so, yep. um, it's part. If you're going to be a championship caliber team, you got to be able to do that. And and the other the other thing is you got to be extremely accurate if you want to be able to score touchdowns in the red zone instead of field goals. And um, and he's done a good job of being able to when we get in the red zone, being able to, you know, to get a touchdown versus, you know, just getting field goals. And um, just like last week, you know, he recognized cover zero. I don't know if it was his check or if it was Bobo's, but he recognized zero and he checks that little quick screen, um, you know, and, and it's just boom, boom. Try not to make the game harder than it is. He's, it seems to be he does a really good job seeing the field and getting a feel for what's coming. Um, and, and I guess that's, you know, he's obviously a pretty smart kid and, and Bobo's obviously coached him up well. So as a as a four year quarterback, it, I, I'm thinking I have no idea. Tell me that your first year you don't have as much autonomy to check in and out of stuff. But then by your fourth year, you've got maybe total autonomy. But like you see something that's there, you get to take it. Explain to everybody kind of how that evolves, how that works. Yeah. So um, like my freshman year, first year I played, um, you know, Coach Rick would say, "Hey, look, if we got." You know, 500 protection on, which means we could we could block five. And he would say, if the if the weak side backer blitzes, we're throwing hot. Don't ask questions. You know, just just do it. You're told. And if you go, well, coach, why are we doing? It? Don't even worry about it, son. Just do it. You know, just do it. And then year two or three, we start realizing, okay, you know what? Maybe I can slide the protection or move the back over and have him just block the will linebacker, and I can keep the play on. You know what I mean? So the longer you're there and the, the more you start to understand what you're looking at, um, the more you can keep attacking the defense the way that you would like to. Um, now, look, Beck's been there a while. And, and, you know, Kirby loves to get second team guys, plenty of reps in practice. So, I mean, I think it's part of the reason why there's not as big of a drop off in ones and twos is he gets a ton of reps and he recruits a lot of really good five star players, you know, both at starters and backups. Um but the learning curve's not going to be as steep for him at this point just because he's been with the team so long. All right, Snetzer, I've been dominating the conversation. I mean, Green's your boy. Yeah. You, you, you got him on the spot now. Is there anything you want to ask him? No, man, I think, you know, I think he, he's kind of hit on it, man. We've been, uh, you know, getting ready for the game this week. I think, you know, we had, saw a good team. We've got a good team out there, I think. You know, you don't talk about the Bobo thing. I think, you know, people just want to find something to talk about. You know, I think he hit on that. I, I mean, I agree with him. Everything he said about that, um, I mean, I mean, I remember in practice with Bobo, he wanted to win every single drill. I mean, it didn't matter what it was. He wanted the quarterback to the offense winning that drill every day. And, he, and he, that's that's what he wants to do. So, um, Sness, what were your thoughts on the O-line play last week? At least I hadn't gone back and watched the game, but it looked like our inside – run game was hitting better than our outside. We had, we didn't have a whole lot of luck on the perimeter, but it seemed yeah, I mean, like, I th- it, you know, I, we were trying to, that inside was working. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I mean, I think that Missouri team was a lot, 
is a lot better than we were giving them credit for. I mean, not not as a team. I think I think the players gave them credit, but I think as fans, we were not looking at Missouri as maybe as, as a tough a task as we thought they would be. Um, you know, sometimes you know they're going to give you one thing. You know, they're going to let hey, look, we don't, we're not going to get beat on the outside. You know, like you know, we're not going to let these guys get outside of us. And they're kind of keeping everything in. Um, I thought overall the offensive line played pretty well. Um, you know, I just you know I think it wasn't our best game up front, but you know, what nothing, nothing to worry about that I feel like. I felt, um, I felt, Ken, it seemed like to me Kendall Milton did a really good job of hitting the holes and finding yeah, the creases. And look, I'm just, these are just comments based off of watching it live. I haven't watched any yeah. film on it. It felt like this, it felt like uh, Edwards, I love the way he runs. He runs extremely hard. And when the hole's there, he hits it. There, it, To me, it felt like he missed some holes a little bit. Um, where I felt like Kendall need to find the creases. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's one thing you got to I mean, you know, there's one thing about hitting the holes hard, but they also got to be a little patient sometimes, a little kind of let everything kind of open up in front of them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Milton ran, I mean, he runs hard and he got after it. I thought, you know, overall, I thought our running game did pretty well. But, you know, I'd, I'd like to see more out of it. I think we all would. I haven't watched the film on it. I just, again, watching it live is, is one thing. Um, you know, you get there and you can break it down and get a little more out of it. But, Overall, I thought they did pretty good. I've only rewatched it once uh, this week. I usually like to rewatch it more than once. Um, you know, I, I agree with your comments offensively. Defensively, it seemed like we had a tough time setting the edge with them because uh, that maybe it was just because that number seven, their running back Schrader is just so good. Yeah, uh, they, they, I thought. I mean, that running back, that quarterback. I mean, shoot, when he got outside the pocket, I mean, that kid can move, right? I mean, oh yeah. And then, I mean, I'll tell you, like, I think Green touched on it earlier, you know, there's no defense for a perfect pass. I mean, those those back shoulder throws they were hitting, we were covering the receiver. I mean, we were all over them. And it was a perfect pass and a perfect catch. And, you know, you give, you got to give it to the offense. If they can go down the field and do that and continue to do that, I mean, then they're going to beat a defense. You know, but our guys are there and they're covering it. And we're going to say, look, you're going to have to do this perfect every time or you're not going to get it. And they made some really good throws. I know it's frustrating watching it because you're looking at it like, what do we do for this? And, and we, we were doing it. I mean, we were covering the receiver. They were there. So, uh, you know, it's just – it's tough. And then that quarterback, we get some pressure, and he kind of elude us and get outside. And then next thing you know, he's 15, 20 yards down the field. Right. You know? uh, yeah. He was a heck of a talent. I mean, yeah, that, he, 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 his deep ball was really, really good. And like you mentioned, elusive. They do a really good job of making you covering the entire field, vertical and – horizontal i mean they a lot of misdirection um yeah i think they yeah the refs kind of were a little loose there were some holding calls that were missed uh they were definitely able to get the edge on us kirby does a great job of making adjustments uh and our defense does a good job of bend but not break kind of mentality you know it's going to be really hard to beat us three points at a time you know you got to score touchdowns i think when you're when you're playing georgia um it's a good Missouri team. I mean, they're hard to stop, and uh, you, like I said, you got to give them credit. They executed pretty well. Missouri did, but um, you know, overall, it's going to be curious to see. I know our middle linebacker, you know, he's out, um, and it looks like he might be out for some time. I saw it when he came off the field. I was like, crap. He looks like he separated his shoulder, and I was hoping he just had a stinger. It'd be something kind of quick, but it appears to be a little more severe than that. Yeah, we just. Uh... Talked about that. It looks like, uh, you know, Kirby keeps saying he's looking into 
you know, innovative solutions. But if, if there's not one, um, Ryan was saying, you know, probably looking at six weeks, probably out yeah. till the playoffs. Which, you yeah. know, that's that's why we you recruit five stars after five stars after five stars. And like you said about Kirby giving guys, you know, second and third teamers a lot of reps. That's why, you know, the C.J. Allens of the world, and I think it's Raylan Wilson, and I think he even mentioned uh, Terrell Foster. Um, you know, those guys have had tons of, of reps. And, I mean, real-time reps, not just in practice, in games from, you know, subbing in and out. So, if there was yeah. ever a team that – is next man up, you know, it's more than just words with us. That's the truth. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. And Kirby, he preaches it. He knows it. I mean, look, if you've been coaching this game long enough, you realize it's a long season. Um, you got to have, you got to have depth, especially yeah. late in the year. Yeah. There's always going to be injuries uh, as part of it. And there just can't be that big of a drop off between the ones and the twos. Yep. So, how many times have you been to Knoxville since the hobnail boot? And do you have to take security uh, with you when you go? You know, I think I've been um, either two or three times since we since I was done playing. And uh, now, you know, I kind of – I don't necessarily look like an athlete, you know, so I kind of <laughs> blend well. You're 6'3", so 6'4". Six three, six four, you know, two thirty five. But everybody's like, "Hey, that's just that's just some dad with his kids." They don't think. <laughs> and I actually appreciate that. I, I prefer blending in. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine that. It's, well, blending in up there, but maybe not, you know, in Athens, because you know, it's, I'm sure it's fun for people to come up to you. You know, your kids there, and they're wanting pictures and whatnot, and they, you know, they get to see, you know, daddy's a UGA rock star. <laughs> that's fun you know i would have never dreamed 20 years after playing i'd get to do some of the fun things i still get to do so it, it's pretty awesome speaking of that there's a rumor on the street that you're going to be the uh game day guest picker this week with um with espn now can you can you confirm or deny those reports i can deny it because unless, <laughs> they, unless they called me Hey, the win, you were the winningest quarterback in college football history at the time. If we had had 15-game seasons back then, you probably would have won 60. I mean, you got some serious accolades. Yeah, but, you know, they got to it, – it's got to be some kind of celebrity-type deal. And, I'm, you know, I'm kind of like a dinosaur. Like, I don't even social media stuff. So, they're looking for somebody who's kind of more Hollywood. Uh, I don't fit that mold. You, well, you, you would be the fan favorite. How about that? Well, hey, I appreciate that. <laughs> Maybe we should have you pick a couple of games right now. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to remember who's playing. Michigan. I'm, I'm Missouri. <laughs> yeah, Tennessee, Missouri. Tennessee, Missouri. Who you got? There you go. I'm going to go um, Missouri. And is it at Missouri? Yeah, I think it's because it I'm hoping. At Missouri. Yeah. Yeah. I like Missouri. I like Mizzou on that, in this one. Uh, what about – what about um, the cheaters, Michigan at Penn State? I think Michigan's going to win. It'll probably be, I don't know, maybe 10 points, two touchdowns, but I, I got them over Penn State, What unfortunately. If, what if the, the Big Ten comes out and, you know, tomorrow, Friday, they just drop the bomb on Harbaugh and say, you're suspending the rest of the regular season. Do you think that rallies the troops for that yeah. game? 100%. I yeah. 
I mean, they know how to play football games without him. They did it for the first three games of the season when he was suspended then. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it is a huge distraction there right now. You know, I I don't think Big Ten will do it. You know, as good as the, the team is right now, there's probably so much pressure on him not to go forward with, you know, they kind of act like they got to threaten him. But I don't think they're going to do anything as good as the team is right now. You don't think they'll suspend him? No, I really, I really don't. Not unless um, I, I, I don't know. I'll be honest with you, I have no idea. I know there's but, more evidence, but there's something we don't know about that they have. I mean, yeah, there's so much politics, and yeah. if I think if if Michigan's if this is their chance to really do it this year, I think they're going to find a way to not do it. Personally, I th- I think that they would find a way to uh, sus- you know suspend Harbaugh but not hurt the players. Or maybe they just find the program a million dollars or something like that, you know, which is, you know, pocket chips. Those guys, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. Okay. Who's Ohio State got this week, guys? I don't even know. Nobody, I'm sure. Hold on, I'll tell you. <laughs> I'm about to pull it up now. We're going to schedule. Let's see. I hope they get murdered this week. <laughs> oh, I don't think they have anybody that's going to do that to them. Yeah. They play a I mean, two-game they, game. They're a Penn State team, and they, they, you know, Penn State gave them a little bit of a battle. Uh, I don't think they really have much else until they pull up with uh, Michigan, really. Well, I'll tell you the one thing about Ohio State, and the one thing I underestimated last year was how good C.J. Stroud is. And he sure. earned last year. Uh, you know, they, they should have beat us last year. I think we all know that. Um, but the way he's performed in the NFL this year, I mean, he's been the best rookie out there, it seems like. Um, I don't think they're close to being – I hadn't watched them play much, but I can't imagine them being remotely close to the same team without C.J. Stroud. No, the quarterback play has dropped off tremendously. And, and to your point about Ohio State beating us, I mean, uh, to me, a huge part of that was they hadn't unleashed him as a runner that entire season. And so we weren't used to seeing yeah. that. And then, I mean, he was just gashing us. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, and he Ohio was a problem. State, Ohio State plays Michigan State. So, again, they play nobody. At night. Yeah. That Michigan State team has been – they've had a tough year. They've had their scandals of their own. Yes, they've got their own problems. Yeah. Yeah. So, you're taking wife, you're taking kids, you're taking the green six-pack to this game? We lost him again. Oh, we lost him again. He didn't want to comment on that. It's too yeah. controversial. <laughs> Well, maybe, maybe he'll pop up. Yeah. So I, I can tell you, I'm taking, I got my two old, my 10 year old and my eight year old are going with me. So we are, we're fired up. My wife's going to stay home with the six and three year old, you know, the seven o'clock game kind of, we were going to bring everybody, but the seven o'clock game, they, those two can't handle it. So, well, my son, who's a junior there, he will be there. Whether I see him or not remains to be seen. His Oldest sister will be there, whether I see her or not remains to be seen. <laughs> but but I'm gonna be there. I think the real question is what kind of weather we're gonna get on Saturday. I think it's kind of gone back and forth. It has. Early in the week I was looking rain and cold. Now I'm just looking seeing cold, maybe not so much rain. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that the conditions in that game, you know, could could make a big difference uh in, in what we see. I mean, you know, does does rain favor us or does it favor them? I don't I mean what are you have any thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, we're just neutral. Are we like, hey, look, you know, both teams are playing at it, but who does that, you know, 
I'm looking at what it's going to feel like. I mean, by kickoff, it's going to be, it's going to feel like 54, which as you know, up there in the dark, it's cold. Oh, that's great. I mean, as a player, I mean, I mean, 50s is awesome. I mean, you're going to run around and get warm. You're not going to feel cold at all. Uh, I mean, I love playing in 50s, 40s. I mean, to me, that's like the best temperature. Uh, as an offensive lineman, you get after each other. You're not, you're not hot. You're not cold. You're, you're perfect. Yeah. You, know, you, you get much more than that. You know, it does get, get, get chilly. But, you know, I think, you know, are we going to have a slippery ball? Is there going to be any, any, any moisture in the air? Uh, you know, that, that can certainly – you know, I think then it comes down to ball protection, right? You know, you got to work with the, the quarterback center exchange. You're looking at, you know, David Green off. is back. David oh, yeah. Green is back. <laughs> Guys, I'm so sorry. My phone, hey, I was, uh, my phone conked out on me when we were there. I was like, <laughs> leave it to me. There you so, go. hey, you're asking me if the six pack green was coming, and we're all coming on Saturday. So we'll there have the whole. Uh, We'll have the expedition packed out. We'll be ready to rock and roll, man. You're going to take it back to – you don't live in Snellville anymore, do you? You go back to Atlanta? I keep asking these hard-hitting questions. So you go silent on me. You silent on you. Yeah, I lost for a hey, He's still in Gwinnett County. I think he's in Grayson. Okay. We see him. He's he's like Harry Carey was when he had the technical difficulties. He's frozen. Yeah. We'll give him a couple seconds, and uh, I think we're all going to have to run. Yeah. Who you got going with you, Dave? Mad Dog. What's that? Who's going with you? Are you your son, your daughter going to be up there? You take your wife going with you? Or are you going? Going solo gas trip? She she went last week. It exhausted her. Um, she's a game time decision. I put her at questionable. Right. Um, daughter probable. Um, you know, son's already up there. But he'll, you know, they do tickets weird now, where you don't get as a student the whole package. Yeah. And he got a he got a bad package. I think last week was his first good game. Right. David Green, are you back? Yeah, he's got to get the old Miss tickets now. Like it's, he's got to figure out. He's got to figure out a way to hustle that one, one way or the other. Yeah, he's going to get Dad to help him out on that one. Uh, yeah, exactly. He's going to hustle me out of some money to pony up for it. Yeah. <laughs> if your dad's mad dog, he'll figure it out. That's right. right. Hopefully, he's already got him. <laughs> this is the best reception we've gotten with you like the entire time we've been talking to you i don't know what you're doing whether you've moved the car or what but like now you're perfect who knows it's cell phones i, I i'm i don't know so now i gotta ask a business question in the insurance world are you are you the face man are you the closer or are you both so I've kind of developed my craft in a little bit where I'm the setup man. Yeah. And then, and then I'm the closer. You got you got to do it all, man. You you can't rely on too many folks. You gotta, you gotta set it up. You gotta find it. And then you gotta bring it home. Well, now, wait a minute there. You, you kick the door open, you're setting it up. You get the kick door up and get the meeting. Then you got the closing at the end. There's a lot of heavy lifting there in the middle. You got, you got Matt, you bring Matt in to help any. Well, look, no, I, now we have a team. Now we have plenty of teams that help us with all kinds of stuff. Uh, 
<laughs> you get into his trade secrets and he goes away. He, he's, he's, he got an NDA. He can't expose us. Yeah, it's enough to figure it out. <laughs> He's gone pixelated again. That look for a sec. Yeah. Anyway, well, I'm sorry, fellas. Can y'all hear me? All right, Georgia score. Snetzer, go. Ooh. 37-21. What you got, number 14? I was going to say 31-21 dogs. What you got, Mad Dog? I'm going to say 38-24 dogs. Uh, I like it. I'll take any three of those. Dogs cover. Dogs cover. It's rare this year. The committee will love that. Yep. It'll be a wild night. We get we have an electric atmosphere in Athens. I'm oh, looking for kids. You know, my, my, I got a ten year old and an eight year old that have they've been up some games, but they haven't seen anything like what they're about to get into Saturday. Uh it's gonna be a uh, it's gonna be a different level. Oh, it's gonna be awesome. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be it's gonna be some great tailgating for sure. With it being a night game too. It'll be I mean it's gonna be dark from you know, kickoff. Pre kickoff. Yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. Hopefully, dogs find a way to play their best, and, and we take care of business. Yeah, I think they will. I think the crowd will be elite. I don't think I didn't feel like the crowd was elite last week, but I think this week they will be. Yeah, I think it was a little bit of the fans kind of underestimating how good that Missouri team is. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. no underestimating Ole Miss. This game's been circling on our calendar for a while. Uh, night game. I mean. Not going to say it'll be the same as Notre Dame a couple of years ago, but I feel like it's going to be very, very similar. The lane train comes and the dogs bring their A game. That's yep. what's going to happen. Man, I really, really, really appreciate you joining us, David. It is awesome catching up with you again. I'm going to be looking for you. I'm going to come get your autograph. It's like your kids will be. Kids <laughs> hey, will be, fellas, it's always good catching up. I apologize about some of the uh, technical difficulties, but I always enjoy getting to come on and, and talk with you guys. Hopefully, we'll see you on Saturday. Yeah, I'll be looking for you. Technical dif- difficulties come with this gig, so if we take it all in stride. And thanks to you, Dr. Feelgood. Yeah, man. We, want a, short report. we want a short report next week. That's right. All right, guys. Take it easy. Go, dogs. And once again, we welcome back Cassidy Pearson from Any Given Saturday. What's up, Cassidy? What's up? How was the game? The game was good. We won. The crowd was a little subdued. That's what Um, I heard. And it kind of seemed like that on TV, too. It didn't seem as loud as usual. It wasn't. The decibel meter was not climbing like it normally did. I mean, I think we had got them in a couple of false starts. And then after the game... And when you were leaving, uh, the, the crowd was just kind of strangely quiet. It was hmm. it was kind of odd. I don't know whether people just thought we'd come in there and blow them out because I certainly didn't think that. Um, but Mm-mm. maybe they're saving it up for this week. 
I sure hope so. Yeah, I was thinking since Missouri scored right off the bat, um, well, we had the ball first, which doesn't help because whenever, you know, if they have the ball first and we sack them or tackle for a loss, then the crowd's going to be really loud and really excited. Right. Since we have the ball first, you got to be quiet at the beginning of the game. Then they got the ball and they immediately scored. So I feel like there wasn't much time there to get the crowd really hyped up. And then from there, it's just kind of, you know, inevitably quieter. Yeah, it's just, you know. It's Missouri. It's hard to get fired up That's in Missouri because they're Missouri. Yeah, and I know everyone, obviously, Ole Miss now is in the top ten, but even if they weren't, everyone's so excited for Ole Miss since we don't play them as often. So it And, and I'm so glad it's at night. Uh, I didn't know that about SEC on CBS not being able to pick us because they had picked us too many times. So I didn't either. Really yeah, so I'm really glad we got to land that ESPN spot. So does that mean we're done with Gary Danielson forever since we switched to ESPN next year? Is that what that means? I no, guess. we could maybe have him for Tennessee. We next have him week. for Tennessee. Um, and so since that, since the Tennessee game was already decided, they couldn't put us on SEC on CBS. So they had to pick somebody else. Are you going to the Ole Miss game? I'm not. Oh, is this steeplechase? No, um, my cousins and I have our family deer hunt weekend this weekend, and I, I never miss it, and I hate to miss it. But my brother's going to be in Athens, so going to be living through him and hearing, hearing all about it through him. Well, family events are excused absences, so that's okay. <laughs> I'm going to allow it. All right. I know. I, I really – I was torn. I really want to go. All right. Let's talk about the committee and their lack of any discernible strategy as to how they pick and where they put them. Uh, I'd like to kick off by saying the whole interview with Boo Corrigan, who's the chairman, seems completely staged. It seems like he knows exactly what they're going to ask him. Um, it seems like those, yeah. it seems like their ESPN's just in bed with the college football playoff committee. Uh, they defend their every move. If anybody on their panel, like Greg McElroy, was trying to make some good, valid points, he kept getting cut off. Um, so it's just like, okay, this just feels like a farce, and we got to deal with you one more year, except we really don't because we're still going to have the committee picking the 12 next year. So it's like, are we ever going to escape this subjective system and be the only sport in the world that has to deal with a subjective system? Yeah, it's so subjective. I feel like in the meetings, they literally have to be talking about what people are going to say and be like, what are we going to say when they say this? Yeah. And there's obviously an agenda. I mean, they never can have Georgia at one. And despite how many times we have proven to beat Michigan and Ohio State in the playoffs, they still have Ohio State ahead of us. And also just this advocating for Michigan like oh you can't punish Michigan you, and you definitely can't punish those players well what about the all the players that have been cheated against for the last two years who have already been punished I mean sometimes there's just collateral damage when you've got bad leadership and just to say well you can't punish these guys if they were a part of a cheating team whether they knew it or not I'm sorry that you didn't know it but you are still unwittingly cheating with an unfair advantage, you have to be punished in some way. And that happened this year. 
the past years are over. They can't be punished. Maybe they'll vacate the wins or some, you know, meaningless penalty like that. But this year, you got something's got to be done. That's on the one hand. On the other hand, I want to play them and I want to kill them because now they're not cheating. And I'm hoping that they're going to be exposed, even though there's really nobody on their schedule to expose them other than I hope Penn State, but probably not, and maybe Ohio State, and then beyond that, the playoffs. Yeah, I totally agree. I don't understand the argument for not punishing this team because they were in the playoffs the past two years. So all of the kids, unless you're a first year, all the kids have you know, had the chance to go all the way. They were cheating. They still didn't make it in the national championship. And then if you are a first year, then you have next year and beyond – um, it's, it's, it's just not fair to, and you look at it too, like if they beat Ohio state by like three points or something, we don't know that they didn't cheat to get there. That's not fair to those kids because they're probably out of it at that point. Yeah. And then, and then Michigan's just, just flailing wildly, just throwing stuff against the wall to see what sticks and with like, uh, Oh, um, well it was, it was Ryan day's family that, that exposed us. Who cares? Who cares if the Pope exposed you? The point is you're cheating. And then that was just cast aside and they said, oh, well, Purdue and Ohio State conspired last year to steal our signs. Well, so what? They obviously did it within the letter of the law. If it's in-game sign stealing, that's allowed. Nobody has said that Purdue and Ohio State sent coaches to the Michigan games to try and steal their signals. It's like they're just trying to come up with the most meaningless, pathetic distractions that are irrelevant. Yeah. And I've seen so many people complaining that like, this is all like sec bias saying that they're doing this to keep the sec two sec teams in the playoffs. Like, I don't even think that's the case. Like, they don't have Alabama climbing the ladder every week. They don't have Georgia at the top. Like, I I just – everything I've heard is absurd to me. Well, it's because of the whole (sighs) thing. It's just stranger than fiction. Nobody – your granddad's never seen anything like this. You know what I'm saying? It's like – there's been no, no kind of scandal like this since like the Black Sox gambling scandal of whatever that was, like 1918. Um, so who knows? But like, what what would happen if they if they don't do anything about this or they keep it open, which is even worse, and then Michigan wins the national championship? Great point. Like, genuinely, what are they going to do? That's gonna or maybe on. maybe they're waiting to see if Ohio State beats them. They're praying. They're praying Ohio State beats them, and I don't think it's gonna happen. I, think I don't Michigan, either. I think I Michigan's gonna run the table, and then they pray that somebody else beats them. Because the absolute last thing the NCAA needs is for Michigan to win it all. Their whole process of investigation drags on till the year twenty twenty seven. And then they have to go back and go, oh, yeah, by the way, they had to vacate that. And that year there was no national championship or yeah. no national champion because they wouldn't they wouldn't in turn give it to whoever they played, just like they did with uh, USC when they had to vacate those wins. 
They didn't say, okay, well, whoever USC played that year is now the national champion. So it's just a, it's a nightmare scenario for the NCAA and the big 10, unless Michigan finds a way to lose or, or, you know, whether in conference or in the playoffs. Yeah. I don't see them winning all the way, but I just, I just am wondering at what point are we going to do something about this? Like, it, it, it's it's on it's on the it's it's the Big Ten commissioner. You know he's going to be the one that's going to have to step up, and then it's going to turn into lawsuit city, and who knows where it goes from there. Mm-hmm. But and what I they, would, if they don't have a representative in the playoffs, then that looks bad on the Big Ten, and so that's probably weighing into his mindset now too. Mm-hmm. So let's just say that Michigan wins out, wins the Big Ten. And Florida State wins out, wins ACC. And Washington wins out. So that's three undefeated teams. Georgia and Alabama win out. They play in the SEC championship, and Georgia loses. We're out. Yeah, we're out. We're out. Which goes yeah, back. I, I don't, I don't see it happening where we're in. I, um, I mean, the only, the only hope I have is Florida State losing, but I don't see that happening. And if they lose in the ACC championship, if Louisville still has one loss, then Louisville's going to be in. I think what what has to happen. You, I think you. Let's just assume Florida State and Ohio State went out. Mm-hmm. You, you need Oregon or somebody to beat Washington. And then you're fighting it out with Oregon. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a conference champ against a non-conference champ. And then who I knows? Mean, I- the, the, the committee, you know, they're humans. They're, you know, they have faults. There will be bias for having the Pac-12 in there the last year of the Pac-12. We've had Oregon rammed down our throats all year, you know, about how great they are, even though their schedule, like McElroy was pointing out, is not all that great. They haven't been. Not anymore. I mean, not anymore. Not anymore. It it, it looked like it at one point when USC was winning. Right. And so I think their main um, quality win at this point is Utah, Mm -hmm. who's lost, what, at least two, maybe three games. Um, I'm not sure. Who does this? Who does Oregon play this week? They play USC. So we need to be pulling for USC. We need to be pulling for them to find a Grinchless defense. Their first Grinch-free defense. I I just don't see it. Happening. I don't see it either. Like it literally at all. Um, <laughs> Oregon killed California this past weekend and then USC beat California by one point. That game is at 1030 at night. I, I, it might be the most important game we watch all oh, year. I'm excited to watch that one. There's a <laughs> lot of good games this week. Like it's like slam packed. Yeah. So, you, you know, you kick it off with Michigan Penn State. Mm-hmm. I mean, am I crazy to think that Kentucky could possibly upset Alabama? Is that crazy? 
I don't think it's crazy, but I don't see it happening. I think Kentucky's kind of stuck like they get every year once they lose to Georgia. They're just kind of down. And Alabama's on a huge up climb right now. Jalen Miller definitely had his best game against LSU. And, I mean, maybe the fact that they're coming off a huge high would kind of lead them into Kroger Field and they would kind of tumble. But I don't see that being on upset alert. I'm just thinking, you know, if they could get Davis rumbling, control the clock, Milrow has a pick or two, Kentucky's quarterback has the game of the year, stranger things have happened. I mean, they'll have to play perfect. You're, I mean, you're definitely right. There's a, there's a shot, but I think they'd have to play really, really well. So you got that at noon. That's about all you care about, unless you care about South Carolina and Vandy. Um, 3.30. There's not – I mean, you got Utah and Washington. So Washington. I mean, That's, in my opinion, the most interesting game of the week because I definitely think that Utah can win that. And we want them to. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So – Washington didn't have any defense against USC this week, so. So, in that case, we want Washington to lose and then we want Washington to beat Oregon later. Well, if Oregon's still undefeated, I guess. What's crazy is we're still having to play the what-if game. We're undefeated, and we're talking about we only lose one game in our conference championship, and we got to play what-if. You know? Yeah, usually at this point in the year, it's like already a given that two SEC teams will make it. Right. Um, but it makes this year a lot more fun, and it's you know, we're still here in week 11 wondering what's going to happen. This is not the kind of fun I like to have. I don't like to be undefeated and trying to play who's got to lose to get my team in. Especially when it's Alabama that might knock us out again. (sighs) But uh, Tennessee, Missouri, they play at 3.30. Yeah, they play at 3.30. And I believe if Missouri wins, then we clinch the East in that moment. Is that correct? Correct. That's correct. Missouri wins, yes. That we're pulling for Missouri. Yes. Is there any chance Miami beats FSU? Yeah, I definitely think so. Florida State has has had several games this year where where the game's been close. They had kind of a slow start against Pitt last weekend. And Miami, you know, has kind of fallen out of it. But they've proven that they're a good football team. So I definitely think if they can get their offense rolling – kind of get ahead of Florida State, that Florida State might have a hard time coming back. Miami's 6-3. and three. I think of them as 7-2 and two due to the humongous gaffe they had against uh, right. friends at Georgia Tech. Um, so, our game. How are you feeling? <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, I kind of don't know what to think. To be honest, I'm just not used to never losing anymore. And we've just, we've won and we won and we won. And it's kind of hard for me to fathom possibly losing. But Ole Miss has survived a lot of close games this year against LSU, Texas A&M, which was this weekend. They got lucky because A&M missed the field goal at the end to tie it. And then Arkansas and Auburn, they won all of those games by one possession. 
which is good and bad. It, it's good for us in the sense that they're not handling these teams in the regard that Georgia is and the regard that Missouri was, but at the same time, they're getting it done. And against LSU and Texas A&M, they were down um, within like two minutes and they had to go down the field and score a touchdown and they did both of those times. So that says a lot about their offense and the composure that Jackson Dart holds, I think. And that's that's the reason why it worries me a little bit if we get into a shootout that maybe they'll kind of be able to, from experience, get it done at the end. I agree. And, and one thing I went back and looked at was their loss. And in their loss to Bama, they weren't healthy. Judkins wasn't healthy. Their top receiver wasn't healthy. I think that game was at Alabama too. Am I right on that? Mm-hmm. So they're dangerous. They can score points. What gives me um, comfort is that their defense isn't all that great. Yes. So I'm just hoping yeah, we they're, can outscore they're def- Yeah, their defense is one of the worst in the SEC and not better than Missouri, I don't think. But they are atop the nation in sacks. They average about three and a half sacks per game. And that I worry about a little bit because Missouri sacked us three times. Mm-hmm. And we were not used to that. And I think maybe that threw Carson off a little bit. Right. And so we're going to have to be really careful to protect him and make sure that they can't get through. Yeah. And another thing that gives me comfort is the city of Las Vegas. And they just seem to have a knack for figuring out who's going to win. And they think that, what's the latest line on this? Is it 11, 12? 10 and a half last time I looked today. 10 and a half. That makes me feel great that it's double digits. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I, you, I actually expected it to be about seven. So I was. Yeah. Seven. But I'm like you, all this winning, it's like, okay. That's great, but every game you win is one game closer to that time that you lose. It's it's out there. It's coming. We just don't know when. And each one just seems bigger than the last. It's like, okay, we got we got past Florida great. We got past Missouri great. But now we've got to have this one. Forget what Missouri and Tennessee are doing. We've got to have this one to clinch the East. Yeah, we do. And I'm like, like we said, I'm really glad it's at night. The atmosphere is going to be amazing there. College game day is coming. But you just never know when Georgia's coming off a high in a big game. You just never know where our head is. And Ole Miss is going to be very excited to come in. They really have nothing to lose because they don't control the West anymore. Mm -hmm. And so that scares me a little bit, too. Fun fact about your family. Are you aware that once upon a time I coached your brother in football? Yes, I am aware. And do you remember what his nickname was? Uh-uh. He was the freak because he was a freak athlete. And your dad <laughs> okay. and I coached him. So I'm, I'm sure hoping, we are, are yeah, I probably remember that. I'm hoping to run into the freak uh, in Athens. Although at this point I haven't seen him in so many years, I don't know that I'd even recognize him. You wouldn't. <laughs> How tall is he? But uh, he I, taller than me. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know the exact height, and his hair is so much darker. Was, you know, it was real light blonde when he was younger. But if you see him, make him make a little video. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, we'll make a video about what he thinks. Yes, 
That would be awesome. Well, what else do you have on your mind today? Other than making me more nervous. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, Oklahoma went down. Yes. So okay. now we can kind of end the talk about that in the Big 12. And Oklahoma State now in second in the Big 12, um, which is kind of crazy because I think they had a bad loss at the beginning of the season. So uh, Cowboys and then Texas, I guess, right now are in the driver's seat to go to the Big 12 championship. But I don't see a two-loss Big 12 champ getting in, do you? No way. Yeah, no way. So here's something kind of interesting about the Oklahoma loss. That um, basically took Dylan Gabriel out. And the guy that's slowly but surely creeping up the board is a guy by the name of Carson Beck. That's right. I'm glad you brought that up. And he, last I looked, it was at, I believe, plus 2,000. You know, you got mm-hmm. Penix up there, plus 275. Knicks plus 600. Daniels, which I don't even understand why Daniels is still so high up there with three losses. Everyone is talking about him because he's still played great against Alabama. Of course, he got hurt. Um, But, I mean, they have three losses and they can still lose again. I mean, they have Florida left, Texas A&M. So, I don't I, – yeah, I don't see that happening. And the way that Penix is playing, Knicks is – atop every statistic I look at and then Carson Beck of course I'm looking at the bet MGM and he is one two three four five six he's seventh and there's kind of a gap like Marvin Harrison's plus 1000 and there's a gap to Carson Beck at plus 2000 but you know I think I sent you the stat of Carson Beck's the only quarterback in SEC history to throw for 250 yards a game in his first eight games so He's yeah, it's been nine played. games now. And through nine games now. And so mm-hmm. he is he just seems like that guy that maybe he's just kind of creeping up at the right time and keep winning games, including a SEC championship game to go undefeated, and you never know. Especially yeah. when these other guys start losing, like, you know, Washington loses to uh who are they playing? Utah, did we say? Mm-hmm. And Oregon loses to USC and FSU trips up and same yeah. with Harrison. If if Carson, if we went out and especially if we beat Alabama, there's no doubt to me that Carson will be a Heisman finalist. I agree. I mean, he's been so consistent. I think one thing that's hurting him a lot is are his interceptions because he threw a good bit at the beginning of the year. He's been a lot better now. Mm-hmm. But that stat, 250-plus for nine straight games, is incredible. And, I mean, he's he's just doing his job. Like, you don't have to have these explosive 50-yard plays mm-hmm. to win the game and to look good. And, you know, just because he's not doing that doesn't mean anything. So, I definitely think coming down the stretch that if he keeps winning, he's going to be there. I agree. I don't see how he couldn't. I mean, you're playing for the number one team, the team that's been one, two natties. So, I mean, you've got, there is a good, there is some positive recency bias in that. Um, The only, I guess, negative is you start having people say, oh, well, he's just a product of the system. 
Mm-hmm. But I mean, I see no reason why I wouldn't be there. It's just so up in the air this year. I mean, the Heisman's wide open. A lot of the conferences are wide open right now. It's going to be exciting coming down the stretch, see what happens. It is, and I'm not going to jinx it, but it looks like there is a um, collision course being set up at the Mercedes-Benz in Atlanta of old versus new. That would be epic. Yeah. You would need to go to that game, by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah. Put all this work stuff and this family <laughs> stuff aside and need you to focus on what's important. I know. I know. I got to be there. Ugh. All right. Let's not count those chickens before they've hatched, though. We got, we got business right. into this week. Yeah. Who do you think is going to win uh, Missouri, Tennessee? I mean, Missouri at home coming off a loss. I think they're going to be angry. I think Tennessee could be maybe looking forward to us. Um, yeah. I just think that Missouri is a really good team after watching them last week. And I think that Tennessee's just a good team. Yep, and I, I agree. I, Missouri's I think, better. Yeah, they they should win. I don't know what the line is, but they should win. It's it's actually um one for Tennessee. The line is one point. Mm-hmm. Tennessee minus one. Yes. Wow. I was shocked. Guess they're. I don't know what they win. know that we don't know. But yeah. I mean, because I'm like, I mean, I'm like thinking Missouri's going to win by two or three possessions. Yeah. Like I'm pretty confident with that one. Interesting, and that's that's a three thirty game, right? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's a head scratcher. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. And either. then uh, Texas plays TCU, which TCU's been absolutely terrible this year. Um, but I guess there's a shot at that. What's that line? I think four. Really? <laughs> it's at it's at TCU, but um, I don't know. I don't I don't see Texas making the playoffs, so I've, I've kind of just. But they're still. But I mean, as of right now, they're right in there. No, they they are. I mean, if they went out, they they'll definitely have a legitimate shot. If there's other one loss teams around, for sure, and they're lucky to have beaten Kansas State in overtime this weekend. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll just have to watch them. Yeah, I just, I hope, I hope Georgia just stays focused, defense stays on it, and we can just get through these next couple weeks. I think they're going to be focused. I think that um, it's about time for Kirby to give one of his epic fiery speeches, whether it's <laughs> pregame, halftime, or both. Because you know he wants to beat Lane Kiffin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I can see this game, like, I, I've been saying it's going to be close, but honestly, I could see us beating them by a lot. If Kiffin tries to do all his trickeries and go for fourth down a million times, it could get pretty ugly for them. Well, he, you know he's going to go for it on fourth down. Neither punter may see the field this game. <laughs> um the thing is, is, you know, if he's going for fourth down seven times, you're going to need to stop him on at least four of those. 
Because mm-hmm. if he gets on a fourth down roll, watch out. I mean, he's going to do something. Like I said, I mean, they're not in control of their own destiny anymore. So right. he, he's going to do anything he can to win. And yeah. that's that's one of the reasons why it just makes me a little bit nervous. It's just yeah. the timing of it and the intangibles. Mm-hmm. Well, like we need any more reasons to be nervous. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We handled Missouri. I was, I was proud of the way we played. And I think, I think we're going to do it again. I do too. I have faith. All right, Cassie, well, I got to run, but thank you as always for joining us. I always love hearing your insight and um, I hope you uh, kill a big deer this weekend. Thank you. (laughs) Bring me back some beef jerky, some deer jerky. (laughs) All right. See ya. Back to pontificate. Once again, we have Buffalo. What's up? I'm good, man. I'm good. You know, we're, we're, we're still on, still on the magic carpet ride. So I still can't believe that we're living this dream. It's a reality and it just feels so good. And yet I'm still just as nervous as I ever was, you know? Yeah. Last week was a little bit nerve wracking. Uh, Missouri came to play. There were a couple times where I was like, okay, this is it. This is the week where we lose. I never quite felt that way, except I told the guy sitting next to me, older gentleman that I made friends with, I was like, man, if we miss this 48-yard field goal right here, you're going to see me sweat because we're going to be, I'm going to be nervous then. Peyton Woodring drains it again. Yeah. Well, I got nervous when we went up 27-21 because I hated that score. Yeah, when they got the two-pointer, that was Yeah. That was terrible. That was not good. Did you ever figure out the song it was that you could not stand? I didn't. I've spent an hour trying to look through, like, dance party stuff from, like, 10 years ago, and I couldn't. I've asked my kids. They can't figure it out. My Singing doesn't do it. I guess my little rhythm, I won't sing it. I don't know what the words are, but I'm going to find it. We played a song in the third quarter when we were on a timeout, and it was a big – Missouri had the ball, and I went crazy. It's the <laughs> worst song I've ever heard fire up a crowd. I don't know who liked that song. Was it like one of these newer uh, rap songs? It's just- it wasn't a rap song. Okay. It's, it's, it's these women singing. I don't know. It's these women singing. I don't know if it's like auto tune for. It's just, I've always hated it. When I used to work out at this gym, when I vowed to quit when I turned 50, and I did, <laughs> uh, they used to play it all the time, and it used to make me mad there. And I never thought I'd hear it at Sanford Stadium. There could have been so many better selections. Please find this song so I can open the show with it when, when we're running the credits. <laughs> we're going to find it, and I'm going to find out who's in charge of that. I'm getting banned. Hey, now I'm going to be looking for it this week because I know when I hear it based on your description, I'll be like, that's it. That's the song. I'll let you know. how. I'm not going to do the little how it goes on here, but I'll let you know. So you right. Can, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ask you to sing it or no, I, I won't reproduce it. it. Uh, uh, take a mighty big check. Uh, anyway, about the stadium. Yeah. I've heard, you know, you heard you talking about it and, and, and 
I've heard a lot of other people. I was at the game, and, uh, man, it was – I took a 30-second video during Baba O'Reilly, and I listened to it last night, and it was the same as if you were at the Greater Greensboro Open, you're in the gallery in the practice round. Right. It was not, it was nothing. Okay, what about this theory? They had the alumni redcoats there. So the alumni redcoats were the ones playing during the game, and they didn't have near the volume or the juice that the real redcoats had. That's one of my conspiracy theories, that it was alumni redcoats. Kind of, I mean, we love you guys, but you're not in your prime. Let's be honest. Yeah, and I don't think they, they, I don't they, think they were bringing day. the thunder and the fire. Yeah, they had their day, and uh, maybe maybe that's a theory. I still think it's Missouri. I, we just can't get our minds around Missouri being in the league and actually being a force. Which man, they really kind of know how to play us. Uh, Drinkwitz has really tried to figure us out because this is two years in a row now. We better start getting fired up from Missouri. No kidding. I mean, again, they had a bye week. That's huge. They got a good team. That's also huge. Um, the alumni Redcoat Band was the equivalent of opening up, you know, the nursing home to let Heaven's waiting room out and putting an oboe and a piccolo in their hands to try and get the crowd fired up. And it wasn't working. I think there was also alumni cheerleaders involved. I saw them. Yeah. Um, so there's that factor. <laughs> I always look forward to the sis boom ba cheer. That gets nobody fired up. And the homecoming king didn't get me jacked up either. So. Yeah, none of it did. <laughs> he may have liked that song, but I didn't. But it's so funny that, you know, we're not the only ones that noticed that about the crowd. Anybody that was there noticed it. It was, it was during the game. Even after the game, the crowd felt weird. It was almost like, we left a rock concert and everybody was just too exhausted to even talk about it. I don't know. I can't pick up on what it, what I can't put my finger on what it was. I know it, it was as quiet as I've seen it in a, in a good long while. Uh, maybe since Jim Donnan's uh, uh, beginning with Southern Miss, that game I always like to talk about. It. I think it was him when he, we, you know, lost, but it, it, yeah. I can't figure it out. I, I I can't yell. I admit, and speaking of the alumni band, I can't yell like I once could. Last year, I figured this out when I, I was yelling so loud at Tennessee. I, I, some, I had some kind of an event. I, I don't know what it was. <laughs> faded back into my chair or something. And so, I, I, but I still left there. I couldn't, that night, I could barely talk. I mean, I gave it all I could. I'm still a little scratchy. Uh, but... And the, the, the kid, I had a Kai-Fi sitting, sitting to this side of me. He was giving it all he could, but most people were, meh. Yeah. They were, they were very good. It was almost like they were like, oh, we know we're going to beat Missouri. We're going to save our vocal cords for Ole Miss. I guess. I think that will be a heck of an atmosphere. Uh, people have a long time to get oiled up, and uh, it'll be, it ought to be going pretty good. Yeah, everybody will be real lathered up by 7 o'clock. And, you know, to me, the, the one of my barometers is the decibel meter. The highest I saw it get for uh, Missouri was 108. Now, Tennessee, it got into the 130s. I think it hit like 136 at one point. It was. Do you, do you believe that decimal meter? 
I, I don't know why. I have no reason not to. And if I don't believe that one, I don't believe any stadium decibel meter. Now, I don't want to say that I'm, I'm being mad at everything, but I, I thought the decibel meter sometimes, I can't see that good hardly anymore. It, those shadows were terrible uh, for me at where I was sitting on the home side. I, and and in, like, in the third quarter, I'm like, I can't tell where. And the decibel meter was blocking the down and distance on the big screen. Really? Well, I thought it was. Maybe I'm crazy, but I was like, what, what, what is it? Is it third and four or is it third and six? I couldn't tell. But, <laughs> and I just thought the decibel meter was just made up. Because yes. I saw it go up one time and nobody was doing anything. And I'm like, that decimal meter's fake. Okay, can you get to the bottom of the decimal meter and the mystery song that you hate? I'm going to get thrown out of this. Georgia, if I keep dogging on the stadium, I love the stadium. I'm not saying that. We need to do an expose on the decimal meters around the country. Because I was watching it go up and down yet. And now maybe I don't know where the mic is located. Maybe that's what it is. And yeah. I'm on this side, maybe it's on that side. And, but I'm like, nothing changed yet. The decimal meter just jumped 18 points. Well, I can promise you this after all this talk about it, you'll be watching it this week. Yeah, unfortunately, I will not be there. My daughter's coming home. I, and it's like I said, it's my other daughter's 16th birthday weekend. So I have turned down all ticket offers and I will be watching it on TV. Well, there's a lot of good games to watch. I mean, all the way going up to uh, the Pac 12 at night at 10 30 with USD kicking off against Oregon. Um, yeah, I heard y'all talking about that one. I'll have to. Have to get my energy ready and, and roll through the uh, West Coaster there. Uh, I'm pulling for USC. I'm pulling, yeah, yeah. That is perfect. I'm pulling for a Grinchless USC. Yeah. Let's let's go. You know, go Trojans. I guess. Because... Hey, Matt, like I saw where Heather Denwitt, uh, 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 she came out and said that uh, she compared us playing Missouri to the chin nut and suckers. She said it's kind of the same, so she just kept Ohio State ahead of us. Did she really say that? Well, yeah. Rutgers is not even ranked. I know, but she, she kind of said it was kind of the same game to her. Having her be the college expert is kind of like having your buddy's mom in high school that like liked you know football just weigh in. Right. Like, her opinion that most of the time she didn't care about. Yeah, she well, I looked her up. She went to Indiana, so I don't know what her problem is. We didn't the Hoosiers. I don't know. You think she'd be against all those teams? I kind of liked her until you told me that. And now that you told me, she said that the Rutgers win was the same as a Missouri win. Now she's lost all credibility. Well, she did say if we won this week, that she thought we would. Go up to number one. I don't even care about being number one. Can I don't. Keep us at number two. Just keep us in the top four. Yeah. That's fine with me. I'm, I'm with you. I could care less where we are. We got to play all. We got to get through them all to win it. I don't care for three, two, four, whatever's. Can we just get in there? The dream scenario for me is beat Alabama, beat Michigan in the semis, and then from there, I don't even know who I would want to beat. Do I want to beat FSU? Do I want to beat Washington? 
I don't know. Man, I think it would be more fun to be FSU than Washington. Yeah, probably so. Washington might feel like, uh, you know, the big brother to TCU if we played them. Yeah, and, and besides the fact that if you ask 10 people to name Washington's coach, nine out of 10 can't do it. Yeah. And right now I can't do it. I can't either. Cause it's, start with a D. It's not the guy from uh, the old Boise State guy. He left, right? Uh, yeah, I know who you're talking about, but, yeah, I think he left. He was up there and he left. And I don't know what his name is. I've forgotten. I've watched two of their games. Is that shirt your shirt? It's almost like you got a Washington shirt on right now. Is that purple? No, it's blue. Ah, okay, good. Yeah, I'm a big Michael Penix fan. Yeah, I can tell. I'm I'm, I'm stealing all your signals. <laughs> Carson Beck is better than Michael Penix. How about that? Uh, I believe he would be drafted ahead of him. Correct. Yeah, I buy that. Are are we ready for Dogger? Sure. Is Dogger ready for us? You are ready. Here I am. Coming there in hot. Is. What's up? How are you, Mad Dog? Hey, Bobber, you're looking spiffy for your daughter's birthday. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't go to the I can't go to the uh, restaurant with a government mule shirt on. So <laughs> gotta wash up. I think you should wear David's or Mad Dog's uh, Stormtrooper shirt. There we go. <laughs> hey, that's, one good thing. that's one thing I do love about the band is that uh, the Redcoats will play the Imperial Death March, which is known as Darth Vader's theme from Star Wars. I think, yeah. very, I think it sets a tone there, a very threatening tone. That is a good one. I like it. So, it's time to talk about... Are we having statistician on? Do we need? Oh, we need to go ahead and bring the stat freak on. Oh, that's right. We do. Yeah. New format. <laughs> there he is. Hey. <clears throat> Washington's head coach is Kalen DeBoer. I knew. I said it started with a D. Yeah. I I cheated though. I had to look it up. That sounds like a French stripper. Yep. That's what he is, <laughs> coach of Washington. <laughs> What did she have blazing saddles in that the stripper they all went crazy for? <laughs> oh my gosh. So Bert, where are you? You got a little um, funky picture well, there. I got relegated to the shed last week <laughs> because um my family got tired of hearing net yards per play all the time. Me talking about it. And so my 13-year-old daughter um relegated me to my Georgia Bulldog shed. So that's where I am for the rest of the season, apparently. I mean you got, more, you got more venues in your house than anyone <laughs> I know. This is my favorite venue though. This is my go-to spot for watching games. So this, this spot's been working for me. So whatever works. Comfortable out here. I like it. <laughs> Rocking the Bucky's Cup. Oh yeah. <laughs> Sis Boom Ba doesn't get you fired up, Rob? No. No. (laughs) What about two bits, four bits? Two bits, bits, yeah. That's that's one of Bo Moore who I went to the game. That's one of his favorite cheers. I I don't know, man. That went out with uh, Ralph Mouth and Poxy, I think. I'm I'm done with that cheer. (laughs) Florida still does it, don't they? 
<laughs> Look where they are. Yeah, yeah. Right. There is help in them. <laughs> so we're going to talk about when you're ready, Mad Dog. There's there's a controversy, I believe, as far as how some of these games have been scored. Is that I heard uh, the fact that you look there back. was, but I I believe I've corrected it. That's um that was early on when we first started doing this format. So uh, it was pre Bert joining uh, joining this segment of the the gambling aspect, but I think it's been corrected. I tried to go back and research it, so I do have what I see as the current season totals so far. Um, there, I need to start doing them as averages, but I didn't. That's that's what the stat man is here for. Um, but right now, I have me at nine and seventeen and two. Uh, David Mad Dog, sorry, at twelve and fourteen and two. Oh. Buffalo at twelve and fourteen and two, and Bert coming in a couple of weeks late at seven and four and one. Mm. But the Mad Dog, what what killed you? And, and I'm I'm not rubbing it in after my past two weeks, but zero and five and one last week didn't help. Yeah, I had bombed. I really. <laughs> so last week, uh, yeah, oh five and one for Mad Dog, three two and one for Bert, one four and one for uh, for Bobber, and four one and one for the Dogger. Trying to make a, a comeback here. What was on the one four and one? What, what the Texas A and M? That was the push. Yeah, the push. I yeah, thought there were three and a half. I thought there were three and a half. No, I, well, I had I wrote it down as three. Okay. Yeah, that's what I have on my spreadsheet. Well, I gave myself a look there, so let me mark that one out. <laughs> I like how you use the uh, – you're not even a gambler, and you use the hook. Yeah, don't, don't be adding in your own hooks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I give myself a half point on every game. <laughs> that's that's what it, uh, a certain bookie friend of ours a long time ago would tell you not to do that. Yeah. Are we ready for uh, are we ready for this week? Yes. Yeah, right, here we go. Here we go. We have um, first game at 12 o'clock. Michigan is at Penn State. <clears throat> Michigan is minus four and a half. And I honestly, I didn't keep track of who it should be first. Is it me now? And are we through? Kick it off. All right, I'll do it. Um, I couldn't remember who went first last week. Uh, I don't even have these or typed out for me. I'm going to go. I'm going to go Michigan minus four and a half. I'm going to go Penn State plus four and a half. Uh, I will take uh, Michigan. Yeah, it pains me to take Michigan in this, but I'm going to take Michigan also. I'm wondering if there's some anger coming out. I mean, who knows? They're uh, Even though they don't, probably don't have a sign stealer anymore, they they may still be a decent football team. Um all right, the next one is Florida State minus 14 and a half against Miami. I put that out there just going back to the old days when we all were in college. That used to be a huge rivalry. Uh, so I will go – I'm going to go Miami in that one, plus 14 and a half. I will follow the Doggers' lead and do the same. Uh, I like Miami as well. Wow. Like four for Miami in that one. <laughs> wow. I need to switch to Florida – I want to switch to Florida State now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All 
Uh, all right, Washington, next one at uh, 3.30. The Forest State game was at 3.30 as well. 3.30, Washington, Utah at Washington. Washington is minus nine and a half. I will go with the Utes in a low-scoring game. I'm going to have to do the same thing. Uh-oh. Um, I'm just going to differ from y'all and go opposite. <laughs> Even though I no like reason. Bert? Yeah, I'd like Utah to win this game, but I'm going with Washington here. All right. Um, the next one, again, we're, none of, we're never going to bet on a Georgia side again, uh, probably ever as long as we're uh, Mad Dogs doing the show. But I will always put a total out there, keep us interested in the game. Uh, the total in the Georgia Ole Miss at 7 o'clock is 58 and a half. I'm going to go over. That seems so low. I'm going to go over, too. Um, I will go under. Under 58 and a half for Bobber, okay? I'm going under, too. I learned my lesson last week. We, we, didn't, we didn't go over last week. I don't think we'll do it again. Bad Dog, what did you say? I'm going over. Okay. So, two overs, two unders. <clears throat> Uh, then we have Texas at TCU at 7.30. Texas is minus 10. And I had a hard time with this one. I feel like TCU always plays in tough. TCU's had a terrible year. Um, so I'm going to go Texas. Is Quinn back? He's not. I don't know. Oh, he may be back this week. I think they said that he was possibly practicing this week. So, I think there's a chance. And it's at TCU and it's at night? It is, 730 at TCU. I'm still going with Texas. <laughs> is it is it 10 or 10 and a half? <laughs> You're trying to get the extra half again. It's 10. <laughs> Okay, well, I'll, 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 I'll take uh, Texas minus nine and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Good try. <laughs> uh, Texas for me. Four Texases. Wow, we've never all agreed on these this many. Uh, the last one, this will keep Bobber up late at night on Saturday night at 1030. Uh, see what happens between Oregon and USC. I just put this out because the total is so high at 73 and a half. But I really don't know who can stop who. I know USC can't stop anybody, so I'm going over. What's the line? The line is 16 and a half, Oregon. I'm going over. Um, I will take uh, the Falcons under 73 and a half. <laughs> no, I'll go, I'll go over as well. Yeah, I'm going over. There's no way Southern Cal holds Oregon to less than – 55 points in this game. I agree, Bert. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Wow, there's not going to be many um, from our our yearly averages. There's not going to be much, uh, picks. Yeah, he does. He does. Yeah, there's not going to be too much, too much rotation uh, change going into next week. A lot of a lot of similar ones. So come uh, come Saturday, I may go against all of these. All right. Have we come hey, up? Hey, with- y'all, last week, your uh, those picks brought you up to thirty four percent. Woohoo! Yeah, yeah, you went from twenty percent to thirty four. So, 
you're you're on the right track now. <laughs> Thank you, Bert. It's, I got a long way to go. That's the goal of any any uh, gambler is to be at 60, 61, 62%. Yeah. So I, I have a what do I have? About ten weeks left to to gain that twenty eight percent. You've got the whole bowl season. <laughs> That's right, and a lot of games during the bowl season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's when the science really comes in when you've got, you know, Bowling Green against Akron in the Palmetto Bowl. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's what I need. Uh, I need Bert to track all that, all the yards per everything. That's yeah. right. That's when I go to Bill Conley's stuff and I just look at that SP plus and figure it out from there. It's, there you go. Who knows anything about Bowling Green? No one. Bill Connolly does. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> He has a staff, I'm sure. He has a staff, right. yeah, monitoring everything. Yeah. What about the loser? Have we figured out the right punishment? Got anything in the running? I don't think we ever did. No, that's uh, y'all are better coming up with something than than me, but we haven't discussed it too far. Everybody be thinking about that for next week because we're, you know, the, the the end of the year will be here before we know it. Are we, I assume, we're doing this through. Uh, assuming Georgia goes into the CF into the CFP, are we doing it through then or to the? No, assuming Dogger, we will be going in. I know. I don't want to jinx it. I'm a big believer in the jinx. I understand. I'm 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 a manifester. A manifester. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we will. Okay. All right. So through uh, through the through then, we have uh, plenty of time left. Second half team, Dogger. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Hey, yeah. before I go, before I go, I'd like to say hello to Barrett and Emmy Gilbert from Rome, Georgia. Barrett recognized me last week in Athens, and I happened to be talking to the Dr. Feelgood at the same time. And so he, we took a photo with him and sent, apparently his wife, Emmy, is a huge fan and she was, overjoyed when, when when he sent her the photograph so. met not one, met two <laughs> members of the mad dog posse i mean that's like wow not in a four-leaf clover yeah i mean what a night for him to take <laughs> I mean, he was just well after the paramedics got him up from fainting he was good yeah <laughs> at least it wasn't you two together yeah <laughs> yeah hmm. Well, we're, yeah, that would be. I heard y'all had a close over. call last week. We'd go over if, if he met me and yeah. the Mad Dog at the same time. We'd right. Probably. There's no worries this week, though. He, he can't come to the game. So mm-hmm. I feel yeah, good. There. I, I feel really good about this game because Buffalo's not even going. No <laughs> chance of seeing him. Yeah. Well, we, we got to cover. <clears throat> good. Well, Stat freak, you got some stats to talk about? I do, I do. I uh, so I'm gonna sign I, off. See you, boy. Right. Well, yeah. Go dog. Um, I ran. Remember, I I did that big spreadsheet a few weeks ago where it just had all the numbers together. So we've got top ten offense, defense, net yards per play. Bill Conley's SP plus, and then. I added another column this week because I feel like we're far enough into the season where we can add this, and that is 
net yards per play versus power five teams. Oh. What we're doing there is we're filtering out the cupcakes. Yeah. And so you'll see pretty much everybody's net yards per play goes down. And that's natural because, you know, you're going to, you're going to boost your net yards per play against the cupcakes. But um, when you start playing the power five teams, it's going to bring it down a little bit. So if we look at just pure net yards per play, we've got five teams that are over two right now. And remember our metric is over two to get into the playoffs. So um, we are at 2.32, Ohio State's at 2.35, Michigan's at 2.56, Washington 2.41, and then Oregon's still above three at 3.05. Now, if we go and look at net yards per play against Power 5, Ohio State drops below two to 1.97. We drop to 1.73. Michigan drops to 2.22. Washington is at 1.89, and Oregon is at 2.25. The one team that I didn't mention that's really in the mix here is Florida State, and their net yards per play is below two against all competitions. So it drops drops from 1.91 to 1.66 against Power 5 teams. So – that is, we've been talking about Florida State all year, and their their stats were actually better last year than they are this year. And so, um, you know, that Miami game may uh, may trip them up a little bit. I mean, they've got a good team, but statistically, they more than the other five teams, they could get beat by somebody. Um, so if, maybe it's Miami. If they don't, it almost – makes them the TCU of the final four if they went out. Right. But, you know, the ACC changed their format for the ACC championship this year. So it is the top two teams that play each other. And Louisville has crept up. I think Louisville in the um, CFP rankings is um, they're in the top 15 now, I think. So Uh that could be a good matchup if Louisville, um, if Louisville is the, the number two in the ACC for that matchup. Yeah, it would be a very good matchup. Yeah. Um, Looking at SP plus, there are five teams that are above 25, which is, you know, kind of the benchmark there for getting into the playoffs. Um, Ohio State's at 25.5. We're at 27. Michigan's at 30.5. And Oregon's at 25.2. So, so um, remind everybody yeah. what SP plus means. SP plus is basically measuring a team's efficiency. So it factors in this net yards per play. It factors in what you do offensively on first down, second down, and third down. So an effective, an efficient play on first down is more than four yards. An efficient play on second down is third and less than three. Um, and so it factors that in, and then it looks at the defensive side and holding them to less than four yards on first down, less than um, third that more than third and three on defense. So it looks at that. It incorporates talent. It incorporates how you play versus a team versus how everybody else played versus that team. Um, so it takes in a ton of metrics. And so, like, Michigan's would be skewed higher by playing nobodies. 
playing nobodies and by stealing signals. So, <laughs> yes, that would also play a role. Yes, right. Yeah. So you got those two that they're the only team above 30 right now. And last year we were above 30 most of the year. Alabama was above 30. Ohio State was above 30. So, um, you know, this year that just seems like there's a lot more parity as far as the top teams go. Than, than there were last year. But there are five teams that are, according to his index, that are, um, that are above the rest there. And then the talent composite uh, obviously correlates with the talent rank, and I'm just assuming what goes into that is your number of five, four, three, two, one stars. That's it, yeah. So stars and then um, transfer portal and how they were rated in the transfer portal. So – um, Ohio State's at three, we're at two, Michigan's at 14, Florida State 20, Washington 26, and then Oregon nine. Um, Who's at one? Yeah, go ahead. Who's at number one? Uh, Alabama. Um, you know what? Maybe I type, I got a typo there. So Talent rank, they're not 10, they're one. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I have a typo there. Um, but what's interesting about Alabama is if you look at their net yards per play, they're all the way down at 1.14 just in regular net yards per play. And then you put it against power five competition and they're at 0.82. So um, they are really low. They are way lower than they were last year. They were at around 2.8 last year. Um, and you know, the thing that kind of worries me about Alabama is what we've all kind of noticed as the season has progressed is what was obvious on offense is you need Jalen Milrow is a running quarterback. And if you design an offense around him running the ball, then they're going to be pretty good. And we saw it last week against LSU, whereas earlier in the season, they were trying to force him into being a pocket passer. They didn't have any design run plays for him. And so this net yards per play, I think, for Bama is kind of skewed by how completely inefficient they were to start the season. Yeah, I mean, that makes perfect sense when you put it that way, um, which really makes them dangerous. It's a little scary because they've got the talent and, um, you know, they're, they're coming around on offense. And, I mean, what really has been their weakness all year is just being able to drive the ball down the field and get yards. And um, they got yards and spades against LSU. But the caveat there is LSU's defense is horrendous. And um, so it's kind of hard to gauge how much Milrow really has turned the corner when that performance came against LSU. Um, you know, we'll see in a few weeks. If we win this weekend and they do too, then um, we'll get to see how they match up against a pretty good defense in Atlanta. This chart right here, to me, I, I could analyze it all day long. You know, just getting into first the offensive numbers, then the defensive numbers. Um, yeah. You know, who's who's at the highest? Well, that's Washington. Who's at the lowest? shockingly it's Ohio state, but then not really because they don't play anybody either. Yeah. Yeah. And what's shocking about Ohio state is their offensive yards per play. I mean, typically a typical Ohio state team is around seven or above seven. Um, They don't have the quarterback this year. And I think that that is going to catch up with them at some point in the season. 
could not agree more. And you would think that the more pressure you could put on him so he doesn't have the time because now the games they have now, he's pretty much he's going to have the time. These guys are going to get open if you give them enough time, and all he's got to do is just sling it out there, and they're going to come down with it. Yeah. But yeah. you pressure him, so and you shorten that window, I think it's going to change things in a big way. Yeah, and so, you know, th- to that point and looking ahead to the Michigan matchup, Michigan has a good defense. Their defensive yards per play is 4.23. Remember we talked about getting down near four is where you're a really elite defense, and – um, they're pretty elite on defense. And so that matchup against Ohio State's offense will be interesting. Oh, absolutely it will. Yeah. What's scary in this, too, is Oregon. You know, I mean, they're just kind of lurking back there because they had the loss to Washington. But they're the only team over three in net yards per play. Um, their offense is at a ridiculous 7.74 yards per play. And then defense is decent. It's right at where we are, 4.69, and we're at 4.71. Now, granted, they may not have played a lot of talented teams, but they're beating up on the teams. Besides Washington, they're beating up on all the teams that they play. And I think that's an indicator of what Lanning's been able to do up there in a relatively short amount of time. Yeah. Yeah, imagine the Big Ten next year. When uh, <laughs> they, so you're going to have Washington and Oregon moving over to the Big Ten. So I mean, it's pretty crazy looking at just right now this snapshot of our top six. Like so, then tag you know going top eight. Like everybody is either Big Ten or SEC here, right? Yeah, next year it would be all Big Ten, all SEC. I think. Except- oh. Except for Florida State. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> That's wild. Yeah. We're go- SEC and Big Ten are going to be some wild conferences next year. I can't wait for that. And then USC goes Big Ten, right? Yeah. Who else from the form- UCLA conference formerly known as the Pac-12? UCLA. You're right. Yeah, so I think it's just those four, right? Those four, okay. Yeah. Do we know yeah. what's going to happen to the Tupac yet? <laughs> they're going to form their own two-man super conference. <laughs> they're going to pick up people from the Mountain West, and right. I don't hey, know. What's funny is like they're playing pretty well too. I mean, Oregon State is ranked pretty decently, and they've got the old Clemson quarterback there playing well for them. So. Yeah, don't sleep on the Beavers; they'll make some upsets. <laughs> They will, and nobody wants them. I mean, imagine being the man without the conference now. I mean, it's got to be the worst feeling. I mean, I guess going independent's an option. If something, I mean, yeah, you know, they don't want to go in a non-power five conference. You know, they don't want to resort to that. So yeah. their options are pretty limited. I mean, the only option may be to go to a non-power five. Yeah, or or just go independent for a few years. And with the amount of shakeups that we've had the past few years, who knows what's going what the landscape is going to look like in 2026 or 27. Yeah, that's a great point because they're not world beaters probably in any sport. So they might as well just hang out, see what if something, you know. Mm-hmm play the game of FOMO to see if something right. comes along because they don't even really have anything that good right now. 
And maybe all those West Coast teams are going to get really tired of traveling all the way across the country for these games, especially in the other sports. So maybe they'll maybe they'll reform a Pac-12 in three or four years. They should all be ashamed of themselves and their ever enlarging carbon footprint and what they're going to do. That's right. What their badminton team's going to have to do flying across the country to play Rutgers. <laughs> massive California carbon footprint. Yeah. yeah. Of all places. <laughs> exactly. All right. Let's look at SEC real quick. Um, the So we're still the only team above two in the SEC. We're at 2.32. Um, there are three teams that are hovering close to two, um, and that is the team we play next week. Uh, Tennessee at 1.89, LSU's at 1.86, and then Ole Miss is at 1.82. So, um, you know, this Ole Miss matchup really is intriguing because um, they've got an offense that is really on par with ours. If you look at net yards per play, we're at 7.03, Ole Miss is at 6.91. So um, they're right there on offense. It's it's the defense that's the difference. And um, – we're, we kind of crept up last week. We're at 4.71, which is the highest we've been in a while um, because we, we allowed a lot of yards against Missouri, a lot of yards per play. Um, Ole Miss is at 5.09, but I would say our defense is head and shoulders above them. So um, hopefully that's the, fact, the X factor in the game. Um, on this stat sheet, this is from Get the Picture – uh, the other variable he puts in here is the turnover margin. And if you look at that turnover margin, Ole Miss is sitting at a plus eight turnover margin. So, you know, part of their success this year is the fact that they've created eight more turnovers than they've given up. And that is a really high number. You see everybody else at plus five, four, three, and a few negatives there. But um, plus eight is – it's a huge turnover margin and will win you some games that you may not have won otherwise. So right. hopefully we turn that around this week. Those two turnovers for us last week were were massive in that game because statistically the um, the between us and Missouri, I mean, it was almost a statistical dead heat as far as yards and net yards per play. The main difference was, um, you know, big 78 catching a, pass in the gut and then Bullard <laughs> intercepted at the end. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a great point about uh, Ole Miss and, you know, how they've, they're an outlier really in the SEC as far as turnover margin. I mean, they're far and away the top team at plus eight. And I mean, that, mm-hmm. just like you said, is going to win you some games. And when mm-hmm. you run out of those, which at some point you probably are going to, yeah, then you're going to have a problem. That's it. You know, and it's a little bit of just random dumb luck. You know, the ball bounces funny and you get it. Um, and it, it's a little bit of product of your defense creating them too. And, you know, Georgia and Alabama historically have been good at creating turnovers with really talented defense. But Ole Miss's defense is not that talented, but they're creating turnovers. So I'd chalk more of it up to random luck than a, a stout defense there. Something's – rolling around in my brain about Ole Miss being like guys that are really good at stripping the ball. Like that's a focus with them. Have I seen them do that this year or am I just dreaming that? 
I don't know. I I watched the Texas A&M game last week, and um, I mean, I didn't see them deliberately trying to do that, but they may, that may be one of the things that they coach. Mm-hmm. You know, because we've kind of coached that in the past. Bakari Rambo or Bakari Fudge, I would <laughs> I would put up there as the best ball stripper we ever had. Yeah. Yeah, you know. we need to get him on the show. We should. <laughs> oh man, don't call him Bakari Fudge. Do not do that. Although I would have to ask him about his journey. Right. From, yeah. From Fudge to Rambo. Yeah, the advent of that name. You may I tell you a cool story real quick. Um, Marcus Rosemead Jack Saint. Um, he has got an amazing story. He was. For a time period, he was homeless, and the family that adopted him, um, I, I hope I get this right, because the, the story is great, but the family that adopted him was the Jack Saint family, and um, so when, after a certain period, he decided to add that on to the end of his name. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a mouthful. That's why I call him MRJS. I love that guy, man. I mean, he—he's just—he's clutch. He's Dude, clutch. He got, he got absolutely plowed that uh, Missouri game. I don't know if you saw that. I yeah, like, I was like, he's done. And he I know. I, sideline and shook it off and went back in. I know. I thought he was about to get put in concussion protocol with that hit. He yeah. takes some hard hits, man. I mean, he does not go down easy. And when um, he's a big dude, so they have to hit him hard to bring him down. Yeah, and by all indications, he's a, a vocal leader on that team, which, you know, yeah, doesn't, doesn't always happen from that position. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm, I'm glad we have him. So, looking at the rest of the SEC net yards per play real quick, there's a lot of teams that are around one. Missouri, Kentucky, Bama is all the way down at seventh still. So, you know, Bama, if you're just looking at yards, net yards per play, Bama wouldn't be in the SEC championship. But um, they found ways to win. They found ways to get better. And, um, you know, hopefully they don't find a way to get better soon enough that they beat us in the SEC championship if we play. But um, <coughs> Texas A&M at .93 and then – um, Florida at about break even point one one, and then four teams that are negative now. Or excuse me, yeah, four teams negative. Auburn's about break even. So um, you know we got we 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 got one this weekend that's, that's four, and then we got one next week that's two. And we we knew all along that November was going to be the tough stretch of the schedule, and here it is. What's Tex net yards per play? I have not looked it up. You know, I was, I, I've kind of ignored it because I don't think it's a major concern to us. I would, I would say they're probably about um, where Auburn is at zero, but um, I'll get you that for next week. Oh, you know what? I did look up because, you know, I kept um, calling it the BCS last week. I don't know why my head was back in like 2013, but our man, Bill Conley, he pulled up the um, the rankings if we were being ranked according to the BCS. Right. And I forgot how much the BCS incorporated the actual rankings into the BCS rankings. But um, according to that, his BCS ranking, we would be number one. Michigan would be two. Ohio State, three. Florida State, four. Washington, five. And Oregon, six. 
So not the only difference is flipping us and Ohio State. That's it. Yep. So we go to one, and Ohio State drops to three, and Michigan goes up to two. Interesting. Yeah. So it would be us and Michigan in the BCS National Championship. So a, a case could be made to go back to the BCS formula to take this rogue committee out of it and actually put some science to this whole farce that they put yeah. out in front of us every week. Yeah, like the Michigan athletic director being on the committee? I mean, give me a break. How can you have that? Yeah. I know. I wish we just – we should just let average fans be on the committee. You know, they probably – I mean, their average fan probably watches more football than these guys do. At least one member. Yeah. You know, add the 14th member of the committee. But, mm-hmm. but back to the BCS formula. The problem with the BCS is there was really only two teams. But if you got 12 teams and you're using math to figure this thing out, mm-hmm. I think people could get on board with that way more than having 13 people you've never heard of and the ones you have heard of are biased. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Next year, let's just use some math. I mean, are we going to have – is this committee going to stay the same for next year? Is that the They're, they're still going to have the committee. You yeah. know, the, it's a rotating cast of clowns. I don't know who will still be on it and who it will move to, but, I mean, it will. the committee does not go away. Yeah. Well, as a part of Michigan's punishment for stealing penalties, they definitely need to get their AD off of the committee. Although I will say that based on what I've read, he's not a fan of Harbaugh. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Wow. So huh. I wonder if Harbaugh's just uh, thumbed his nose at old Ward and said, I'm going to do whatever I want to. And now Ward's having to pay the price for being in the middle of this thing. Although I will say he seems like he's been very, very quiet. You're not yeah, you know what? He didn't even show up this week. He said that he had to be in Ann Arbor to deal with all of this nonsense and he couldn't be at the committee meeting. So, what if, I mean, Harbaugh is so hard to love anyway. What if the guy just said, you know what? He is a cheater. Throw him under the bus. We're firing him. Mm-hmm. We're firing him for cause. Yeah. It may be the best thing Michigan could do because, you know, their fans are going to go belligerent if something with that jeopardizes this season for them. Right. Wait, remember we talked about when's the last time Michigan won the national championship? 1997, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, these fans have not been here in a long time. If they have a stupid cheating scandal to disrupt it, they're going to be belligerent. Well, what drives me crazy, I was talking about this earlier, is, you know, the the ESPN crew saying, well, you can't, you know, you can't suspend Michigan because you're punishing those players who didn't know they were cheating. Collateral damage, number one. Number mm-hmm. two, what about all the players that had, got cheated against? There's right. far more players that got cheated against mm-hmm. scenario that have mm-hmm. already been punished. Like, hey, guys, sorry your coach is a cheater, and I know that's not your fault but he still cheated to help you win. Yeah. The games that they lost, the games that other teams lost because of that sign stealing. Exactly. Who knows? Ohio State could have won that game last year and they would have been matched up against TCU and then they could have made it to the national championship. Exactly. That's a great point. That's a fantastic point. 
And then we could have beat beat them on a missed field goal in the national championship <laughs> instead of the semifinal. How epic would that be? Well, it, it would have been epic, but the fact that ours happened as the clock struck midnight, that's kind of hard to top. That's true. Yeah, the timing of that one, yeah, couldn't be duplicated. It never will be. Yeah. All right, I got one more stat for you. Um, this, our offense this year, I mean, it just kind of flies under the radar because um, Carson Beck just he does what he needs to do. He doesn't get he he doesn't he's not flashy about it. Our running game's not super flashy. Dejon's doing a great job, but we don't have guys that are like besides Bowers. We don't have guys that like hit the national spotlight, but we're, we're super efficient. We're at over seven yards per play on offense, which is right where we want to be. But the stat that really got me was we have only gone three and out eight times this year in all of our games. And um, so that's it. That's 9%, which I, I haven't looked at years past, but I think that that's the lowest three and out percentage that we've ever had. Well, that just makes me feel good for our punter, Brett Thorson, because doggone it, that guy works hard and he doesn't get to see the field much. He but does. That, you know, seriously, that is a crazy stat, uh, Bert. Yeah, and, it, you know, if you think – if you don't go three and out very often, then your chances of getting to midfield are pretty good. And then once you get to midfield, then you open up four down territory or you open up our ability to draw the team offside and throw a 30-yard pass – like that that play among the execution of our offense last week, that drawing Missouri offside on that fourth down and then throwing that pass to Ra Ra was as well executed as anything we did in that whole game. It was a, it was a thing of beauty, actually. Uh, just mm-hmm. perfectly coached, perfectly executed. Uh, even if he didn't catch the ball, we were still going to – I don't know. If, would that have even gotten us a first down? It would have made it – would have, yeah. would have yeah. gotten – okay. yeah. It would have gotten us a first down. Um, but the way back did it, too, because we hustled up to the line, and then he put on a hard fake on them, and we ran it real quick. So they were Missouri was ready to go and stop it, got him jumping, and then nailed the pass. Yeah. Uh, that was that was in the first quarter, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that was in the first half of the game. Yeah, I can't remember at what point that came along. Um <laughs> I it would be nice this week if we can just avoid spotting the team uh, the team some the other team some points to start the game. I mean, besides Kentucky, it's like it's just been our mo this year to spot the other team points to make us just have to work harder for it. Um, third quarter is our magic time. I mean, I, I'll. If we have another big third quarter this week, I'll pull it up in our stats next week because third quarter, we are just an insanely dominant team. And the only time that I worried in the game Saturday was when Missouri drove down the field on that first drive of the third quarter. And um, we stopped them and they kicked a field goal, but it was getting a little dicey on that drive. I was like, man, if we give up a touchdown to start the third quarter, I mean, that's our time to – to generate offense. And we did, we scored two touchdowns right after it, but um, it was, it was unusual that somebody drove marched down the field on us right away then. 
Yeah, I mean, the third is our money quarter, and I'm like you, and they drove down like that. That's when I started having those feelings like, oh, no, this is the week. This is yeah. it. I started, like, preparing myself um, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Get ready for it. It's coming at some point, you know. Yeah. It's coming crash. Yeah. Hopefully it's next hopefully it's next year or the year after next, because I I don't know if I can deal with it this year. Yeah, this isn't a good year for me. We need no. to keep- <laughs> <laughs> You're not emotionally ready for that. Not ready. I'm not ready for it. I'm too fragile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we gotta keep winning. And that starts Saturday. So are you are you are you going? I will be there. Yep. Yep. Oh, our, wow. whole, our whole tailgate crew is gonna be there in our normal tailgate spot and we're going to have all day to tailgate on Saturday, so that should be fun. All right. Is your spot the same as Deke's? Yes. Where it's me, Deke, Charles, uh, Stephen Ham, um, Andrew Albert. Um, yeah, we got a whole crew there. So you're kind of up the hill going back towards the Coliseum. If I'm coming down Lumpkin and I'm crested mm. the hill, you guys are after the turnoff to O House on the left. That's it. Yeah. So if, if, if you go up Lumpkin and right at that intersection where you turn to go to the O house, we're right on that corner, right where, okay. right next to where the Episcopal center used to be. Okay. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. I may try and hike up there and see you guys. Yeah. Swing on by. We'll, we'll be there all day. We have dog bone tent set up and um, we'll have TVs going. So uh, yeah, we're, we're setting up early and we'll, we'll be there all day. What time are you setting up? Well, Deke wants to get there for game day, so um, it's uh, probably 10, 10 o'clock in the morning. Who knows? I mean, if game day cranks up at 9, it's going to be – you're at the nucleus of Athens then for everything. Yeah. It's right across the street from our tailgate. I it's know. Myers again. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's but, aggressive. Yeah. I like that. Swing on by. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely going to try to. All right. Good deal. Stat Freak, it's always a pleasure. All right. I always, always learn something. Good. That's that, that's what we're here for. We want to we want to bring bring some knowledge. Spread the net <laughs> net yards per play gospel. <laughs> the people and I can do it out here where my my daughter written all my case about it. We're just we're talking net yards per play all we want. You just need a shirt that says NPP. Yeah. That's right. I may get one for Saturday. You down with NPP? Yeah, you know me. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. All, All right. right. Go dogs. I'll look for All you Saturday. Right. Go dogs. We'll see you. Woo. Once again, I got worked up, extra worked up when I'm having to deal with cheaters like Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. That's the story that it's the gift that keeps on giving. But as we watch this um, dumpster fire continue to rage on, we're going to have fun here. Fun with people like Dogger, and Buffalo, and Stat Freak, and our latest arrival, Cassidy Pearson. And let's not forget the man who did an extra specially good job this year, Dr. Feelgood. I mean this week, Dr. Feelgood. Dr. Ryan Snetzer. Always remember our very, very generous sponsors. Please patronize their businesses. Go dogs, Sikkim, HBTFD. The Mad Dog Show is proudly sponsored by The Samford Company, Dogbone.net, Bulldog Illustrated, Classic City Collective, 
The Park Group Marketing and Media, Bib Distributing, Sellers Construction, Ventures Barbecue, Go Clean Co., Jay Lee Attorney at Law, Pelicano Construction, Jags Pizzeria, Macon Monogramming, Ortho Georgia, Cherokee Brick, Progressive Communications, Butler Auto Group, ASP, Ward Mini Storage, Walthall Oil Company, Beach Services, Willingham Sash and Door, and Grenford Chiropractic.